This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. I don't feel very well, actually, this morning for some strange reason. Strange rumblings going on in the stomach, but there again, it is Tuesday, and we love Tuesday. Uh, So, Susanna Waltz is off to ITV. I must read you some of the quotes. Absolutely hilarious. And they've dragged back Benjamin Shepherd, the man who spends most of his time looking in mirrors, I'm afraid. Uh, after Engelbert and Bonnie Tyler, we've now got a total unknown representing Britain, although Noreen reckons that Brian knows who she is. She has been in the charts and she has been in a group. Uh, Simon Cowell has revealed he gets his best ideas after a few vodkas, don't we all? We've got another fantastic gadget giveaway for you. And uh, a man filmed stealing on Benefit Street, arrested again, this time for stealing wine. All this morning, till 6.30, with Steve Allen. And uh, we take all your texts and emails, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Bit of a, bit of a contra-try in the office this morning. A little bit of a, little bit of a, let's just call it an incident, shall we? I, I like an incident. I like, you know, I like stirring things up. I'm particularly good at stirring things up. So this morning, I thought, you know, we, had, we have a chat to sort of, there's a little group of us up there. The sort of three of us and uh, and Rupert and uh, and I thought well, this morning I'll cheer them up because it's Tuesday and it's very cold out there. I'll bring in some chocolates. So I brought in a box of chocolates because I happened to have them lying around in the back of the car. And I thought, you know, nice thing to do, nice little gesture. Well, you've no idea the trouble it's caused. And we were get- sorry, I'm just opening the box of chocolates because I had to find out the different things because the only chocolates I like. And I have had, I have had a couple this morning, so brace yourselves. I've had a couple of them. I only do soft centres. I can't do anything that's sort of nougat or that kind. Much though I, I, I like nougat, I don't, I don't have it because it's just all sugar. But the one in here that, uh, that Rupert Bartia had, he, he found a Don Juan chocolate. And it's white chocolate cup filled with Tahitian vanilla and topped with a layer of caramel chocolate. And Rupert went, that is fantastic. Well, the producer, he couldn't, he thought he'd found it on the top layer, but of course it wasn't there, but it was. He just hadn't identified it. And so he lifted up the chocolate, and there's another one underneath. And Rupert Bartier had the Don Juan. He went, oh, it's delicious. So the producer went a little bit funny about it. And uh, it's, you know, it's just, it's a little bit, a little bit disconcerting. Anyway, he found the Don Juan on the second layer. And I said, not having it. And he, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have it. I went, no, you're not, you're not having it. That's for somebody else in the studio. We're, we're giving that to somebody, we're giving that to James, the AP for tonight. And so, so anyway, so I, I brought the box of chocolates into the studio at the beginning of the programme, and James was sort of tidying up. And, and I said, oh, have a look at this one. This is the chocolate you must have, the Don Juan. The Don Juan. It's, it's, the, it's the white chocolate cup filled with Tahitian vanilla and topped with a layer of caramel chocolate. And, and against my better judgment, before I knew what had happened, James had picked the chocolate out and he'd popped it in his mouth. And he said, oh, it's delicious. Well, the look on the producer's face. If, you know, if ever there was a death threat going on, that was it. You know, he glared at him as if to say, if you eat, he's eaten it. He's eaten it. And so, and that, so the producer stormed out. And we had, a, we had a little bit of a tantrum going on. Of course, I thought it was hilarious. And I, I said, so I've had to pacify the, the producer with a, with a hoisin duck wrap. You know, I come armed with everything on this programme. You think we just sit down with a set of papers? No, 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 no. Boxes of chocolates, uh, bacon, lettuce and tomato sandwiches on brown. Oh, I bought a dreadful sandwich from Marks and Spencer's the other day, did I tell you? This was the one that was done on wheat-free bread. My God, it was dull. It was the most boring thing ever. So we've still got the chocolates, but no Don Juan. 
it has gone. So the producer ended up with, with a hoisin duck wrap. I mean, he's quite happy with that, you know. He's grateful. I wouldn't mind, but he's got his own box of chocolates with him as well. A huge box of chocolates. And he's not even offered to share those. I don't want to make a big thing about it. No, 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 no. Heavens above, the, the moment has passed. The moment has passed. Anyway, but I, I did go in there. If you find a Brazil nut by itself, it used to have chocolate on it. I just thought I'd tell you that now. OK, I'll put them all back in the box. So, uh, over on the front pages of the papers, and uh, there's a bit of scaremongering, and there's some stories which probably aren't true, or they might be true, or, and we'll find out hopefully later on today on LBC uh, the Ukraine crisis spreading as the Russians advance, they say. The Russians have said, no, we're not advancing. Uh, the Mirror are running with surrender by dawn or it's war. The Russians have said, we haven't said this at all. So, you know, eventually we will get some answers and you'll hear them first on LBC. And uh, that'll be between now and 6.30. Front page of the Daily Star, they're doing the same thing. They're saying surrender or we'll invade. I don't think they will. I don't think they will, but let's wait and see, shall we? Let's wait and see. We don't want to say, don't want to say never, just in case things, things change dramatically. But if it does, you'll hear it first on LBC. Uh, interestingly enough, Tony says, well, you know, Susanna Reid's taken the money and moved to ITV. I give it a year. Well, actually, that's not unlike um, uh, Ladbrokes, who are offering odds of five to one that the Good Morning Britain will be axed within a year. And in fact, interestingly enough, if you remember from yesterday's programme, how are you, Christine Bleakley, who doesn't have a gig at all now, because the Dancing on Ice has finished, they're not going to repeat her, her other programme or make a new series, because it was dire. I do not understand why ITV, and probably BBC to a certain extent, will take somebody and then they go, this person is... So they pay a lot of money. For Christine Bleakley, they paid way over... You could have got for threepence. Got her for threepence. You know, she's not a great presenter. She's OK. She's average. But there's tonnes of average presenters out there. Tonnes of average presenters on television. Everybody wants to be a TV presenter. And they suddenly realise after a while it's not enough just to have a camera thrust in your face and look pretty and have a bit of makeup shoved on. Oh, no, no, no. It's far more complicated than that. You've got to have the likability factor. You've got to have that something that throws itself out of the television and makes you want to watch doesn't matter whether somebody's good-looking. I couldn't care less whether they think Susanna Reid is going to work with Ben Shepherd. Because what they don't understand is, and this is, this is what always depresses me, because in about a year's time, they're now going to have Susanna Reid trolling around the early hours of the morning because they can't find a gig for her. They obviously don't rate Christine Bleakley to put her back on the programme, so they've obviously thought she's a no-hoper. So now they're going to put Susanna Reid on there because she danced around a little bit. And they go, the public like her. <laughs> I think you're about to be proved very, very wrong. And then they've dragged poor old Benjamin Shepherd back, the man who was ousted some years ago. They went, we've had enough of Ben Shepherd because, to be honest with you, he doesn't know diddly squat about anything at all. He just sits there looking at himself in a mirror. He can't wait to catch sight of himself. And he's a bit smug. So, in fact, two smug people together in the morning is not a winning combination. And then, to make it worse, they've dragged over Charlotte Hawkins. You wait till, I mean, at the moment you see her on Sky, and luckily she's filmed from a distance, about three miles. You wait till you see her close up. She's 38. She's got more makeup troweled on her face than Gemma Collins has. It's going to be very interesting. It's very unforgiving television. And also, just because somebody's got hair that doesn't move, and unfortunately, poor old Charlotte's hair doesn't move. And then they've also dragged over Sean Fletcher, the sports expert, who gives a flying forex, a sports expert. All somebody wants. It's like LBC. All you want is somebody to tell you, this is the time, this is what's happening in the world, what do you think about it? Send us a text or an email. You couldn't care less whether I'm sitting here stark naked, wearing a spangly G-string, or whether I'm dressed up as a woman. 
I'm not, as it happens this morning. I want to let you know I'm not wearing a sparkly G-string. Not that's visible, anyway. And, uh, you know, and it's the kind of thing that you... They make such a big deal about it. And the worst thing is that the audience for television are working mums. And Daybreak cannot pull an audience for love nor money. You know, if they offered a competition every five seconds of the day, it ain't going to work. Yesterday, the biggest mistake of all on Loose Women, they take phone calls. And they were talking about people who go around stripping... And they took a thing from some poor old bag from Manchester who sounded 190. And they were talking about stripping. And for some reason, Colleen Nolan, and why you'd ever ask her opinion on anything at all, the fat bird from the Nolans who can't sing, she thinks that stripping empowers women. And the rest of the panel, intelligent women, you know, are going, what, how does it empower women, stripping? And they get this stripper on. Well, she's sort of like a kissogram kind of thing, but she's a whippergram. And she came from Manchester and she charges a fee and she goes around and she says, I love it. She said, because I, I get these, these young boys that they're sort of stagged. And she said, and I whip them till they bleed. And this is going on on Loose Women. And the panel sit there, except Colleen Nolan, who was getting a bit excited, thinking, you know, perhaps I could go into that as a dominatrix. And the rest of the panel are sitting there looking aghast that this woman even managed to get through the vetting system. Luckily, it was the only one. It was ghastly. Absolutely awful. They all sit there going, it doesn't empower women. It really doesn't. Nadia Sawala, very sensible. Then you've got the woman who was fronting, whose name I can't remember, the, uh, she's, who was fronting Loose Women yesterday? The woman that used to be on there, that, Kay Adams, that's right. And then she, then they decided to get rid of her, because she was obviously a bit too intelligent for them. And now she's come back again. To bring back Ben Shepherd, who's never worked with Susanna Reid in his life, and they're going to put two people together on the television, both of whom think they're the bee's knees. And, what, you know, once you've seen Susanna Reid being smug for a day, that'll be instant switch-off, because the people watching this programme are housewives. They're mothers with children. They're trying to get ready. It's in the background. And to know that somebody's sitting on the television who's going to ram their thoughts and their huge pay packet down your throat, unfortunately, makes you feel a little bit as if you're going to be sick. Nobody's interested in what people earn on television. Don't tell people. You know, if they told you what Philip Schofield earned, you'd be, What? He earns serious money. But they put people together who have no chemistry at all. Nothing. Susanna Reid, you know, always did her own thing, sitting there, little Miss Smug. Ben Shepherd, whose only claim to fame is he's doing a game show with a giant funfair kind of machine where you drop coins down and that's it. And that's pushing his, his personality. So they're putting him back on there, and all of a sudden Ben Shepherd will be an expert on all things Russian. You know, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. And quite clearly... Neither do ITV. It's Helen Warner, who, who claims here, she's the ITV director of daytime, and I'm sure she's lovely. I'm sure she's absolutely lovely. But I think she's made the biggest mistake of her life. They made the biggest mistake when they signed up Christine Bleakley and the other bloke who I drew charge who I mean, he was the most, he used to send people off to sleep. Send people, she was as boring as hell. And then she says here, ITV has a cl first-class roster of breakfast and daytime talent, and I'm thrilled to be expanding it. What have you expanded? You brought back Ben Shepherd. How's that expanding it? And Susanna Reid, an irritant of... I mean, perhaps you don't read the press, love. You must read the press. The public are not going to take to her, I'm telling you now. And that's why Ladbrokes are offering odds of five to one that Good Morning Britain will be axed within a year. I'd stick 20 quid on. 4.15. I said, I want some of that. Anyway, nice to have you company. Welcome along. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Tuesday. It's flipping freezing out there. Flipping freezing it is. But uh, it doesn't matter because uh, we found the posh pancake. We always like to find a little bit of posh food for you. And today's pancake is uh, worth a staggering £800. 
Because you know what today is, don't you? Not that it makes any difference, and I, th- I think it's a load of old rubbish. Shrove Tuesday. That's uh, for you and me. It's Pancake Day. I can't remember because it's steeped in the in the annals of time. What Shrove Tuesday and having pancakes is all about. I've really got no idea. I just know that you can go out now to the supermarkets. I think Iceland do it, and it's about a pound. And you buy a mix, and you put water in this bottle. It looks a bit like a sample bottle, and you shake it up, and then you get the pancake mix, and then you can make pancakes. Now I quite like pancakes. I quite fancy the idea of getting that and one of those Jif squeezy lemons or failing that. Get real lemons because it tastes a bit different. But then people buy squeezy lemon, don't they? Because I suppose it makes it easier for you. And, uh, and we'll have pancakes today. And it's a nice idea. I do like the idea of pancakes. I can't remember if they're any good for me. Probably not. Anyway, this one here, it's not just any old pancake. Oh, no, 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 no. This one is stuffed with lobster, caviar and truffles. Uh, chefs have used basic batter ingredients of flour, egg and milk, like millions of people will do. But the tasty treat includes premium Scottish lobster, Russian beluga caviar, uh, truffles, Scottish mussels. Ugh, disgusting. Langoustine, prawns and pink champagne. Oh, well, <laughs> sounds quite exciting, doesn't it? But will it do you any good? The head chef at Manchester's Opus Restaurant said we thought we'd do something a bit special. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous. Who's going to spend £800 on that? Nobody. Nobody's got that kind of money. But he, he does say none of the ingredients are cheap. Well, I don't know. Probably go to Aldi and get lobster for about four quid or something like that. He said it makes you proud to work with them. You know, I'm sure the animals who've given their lives are equally thrilled. Mussels dragged from the seabed screaming, lobsters screaming, caviar. I did try caviar once. I wasn't a big fan. I wasn't a big fan of caviar. Perhaps I should be. I mean, people say it's very good for you, all this fish thing. And, you know, we have a really, really, really good fish shop in Twickenham. I mean, it is, it's almost, I just don't think it gets, I mean, everything is fresh every day. They bring everything fresh in. And uh, I used to walk past the window. I still walk past it every day because they have nice flower displays and I kind of get inspiration from them. But it's, uh, they have lobster in the window and crab and everything else and they'll prepare it. As you know, Stuart does it every year. And I'm always in awe because he, he works harder than I do. Because I think I work fairly hard, even though friends of mine go and poo-poo the idea of this actually being a job of work, which I find quite hilarious. And I said, listen, it's, you, you try getting up at half past one every morning for God knows how many years and sort of toodling in. I said, but that's what I do. I mean, I was on the phone last night to a friend of mine and uh, she was saying, I don't know what it is today. She said, I'm so tired. And I said, you know, I'm absolutely exhausted today because we did Brian Connolly yesterday. He was on very, very good form. Very, very good form. He tells the story of when he was over, I think, in Australia, and he was doing Jolson. You know, mammy, the sun shines east, the sun shines west. He said, and halfway through the show, he said, I, he said, I have to say something. I think the line is along the lines of, what is it, mammy? What is it? Tell me, mammy. And an audience member shouted out, it's a puppet. He said there was this hushed silence, because quite clearly that sort of side of his uh, life hadn't, hadn't been there. But he's done everything. He's done everything. He was really on good form. Very, very good form. So you won't hear that this weekend. I think it's going to be next weekend. I think this weekend is going to be Floella Benjamin, and that is a good interview. In fact, as I, say, I don't know why I say that every week, because it sounds so trite, because every single one of them is a good interview. But even the person recording it yesterday said to me, after we'd done Brian Connolly, said, that was a really good interview. I said, I don't do bad interview. I have only good interviews, because the people that you talk to... What's the point of booking somebody in to have a bad interview? You only book people in who you're interested in. 
you know, people who you know are going to be good conversationists. So, uh, so that was that was very exciting yesterday. So he was he was good that he was going off to record some things with Andrew Castle, which was quite nice. And uh, so what else? Yeah. So by the time I got home, then I faffed around doing little bits and pieces, and then um, and then I just felt incredibly tired. Incredibly tired. So I spoke to this friend of mine, and she said, "I'm so exhausted today." I said, "Well, join the club." I said, and this was about. 20 past six, I said, oh, I can't wait to climb into bed. I said, I, I cannot wait to climb into bed. I said, I'm so tired today. And I said, I know, because I'm very lucky, even though Ollie was talking about uh, people getting to sleep, insomniac. Well, of course, I, I, I welcome insomniacs to this programme. In fact, uh, you know, the more you can't sleep, the happier I am. Because I've tried to explain to people before, if you want to get to sleep, there is a hard and fast rule. The thing, the thing that will stop you sleeping properly would be smoking, excessive drinking overweight, and listening to the radio. And you know why? Because it keeps your brain active. You're listening to the radio, you hear something, it either annoys you, or it delights you, it makes you laugh, and immediately you're awake, you can't sleep. So I used to say to people, you should really turn off the radio. And they brought a radio out a while ago, and it's got birdsong, or it's got the sound of waves on a, on a beach, which apparently is very soothing. I tend to find sitting on a train is very soothing. I can sit on a train going home if I pick, pick the slow train. And, and I tend to find... I start reading and I think, I think I'll just close my eyes for a little bit. And I, could drift, I can drift off easy-peasy. Absolutely easy-peasy. Easy so when Ollie reinvented the wheel and did a programme about people trying to get to sleep at night, you're always going to find people who listen to the radio who are insomniacs, but they've been insomniacs for years. They all know what it is. You know, if you stay in, in, indoors all day, you're not going to go to sleep at night. You need to go out, get some air, get some exercise, fill your lungs with, with fresh air, laughingly called in London. But you, you do that, and then you go home, and then you will sleep. You will sleep. You, so when I climb into bed at night, I'm tired. I'm, I absolutely cannot wait to climb into bed. I love climbing to bed. And last night I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the phone down, I'm going to go and do my injection, and then I'm going to climb into bed, and I'll be out like that, and blow me down, I'm in bed. I can't even remember, you know, sort of climbing into bed. Well, I do remember climbing into bed a bit, and I can't remember how long it takes before I go to sleep. Seconds. Literally seconds. The moment my head hits the pillow, I'm, it's, it's, I absolutely love it. So I feel sorry for anybody who doesn't sleep well, but after a while... You start thinking to yourself, there must be some trick to this. And there is. And as I say, it's, it's not watching the television or listening to the radio. My, my godson, Nathan, he's 15. And uh, he doesn't sleep too well. So he watches films all night, which, of course, get his brain going. And I said, if you want to get some sleep, turn off the television. It's the only way that you're ever going to get some sleep. 84850, steve at uk. Got some very good stories for you on the free podcast later on. Yes, the usual bunch of no-hopers from um, The Only Way's Essex. They're really looking like so ancient at the moment, aren't they? They really are looking so bad. But the good news is, this morning, as for yesterday as well, the LBC Gadget giveaway is back, giving you the chance to win the must-have gadgets of the moment. Yesterday, Michelle Mondi from Surbiton correctly identified, as indeed we knew you would, Michelle. So it was your day yesterday. Like a Prayer was a Madonna song. And she got herself a fabulous Chromebook laptop. So, well done, Michelle. And uh, it'll be with you very, very shortly. Today, I've got a Google Nexus 7 tablet up for grabs. This is thinner, lighter. It's the perfect mix of power and portability. It's got the world's sharpest 7-inch tablet screen, putting over 2.3 million pixels in the palm of your hand. 
It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, 323 pixels packed into every inch. You can read text that is sharper than the printed page. You can watch videos come to life in brilliant and vibrant 1080p HD. And it can be yours. I mean, it's really, it fits in bags, gives you ten hours of web browsing or e-reading, plenty of juice to get you through the day, nine hours of HD video playback, built-in wireless charging, means you can charge, grab and go. Fancy getting your hands on the Google Nexus tablet? Could be yours at 6.30 this morning. One lucky listener will win it. But you have to answer this question correctly. Listen carefully. Which popular recording artist released Haven't Met You Yet? In 2009. Which popular recording artist released Haven't Met You Yet in 2009? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. So it's gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck, because it's a, it's a really, really nice prize to have. We only have nice prizes on the programme. And if you're a new listener then uh, you're especially welcome, and you can have a go as well. You're not excluded at all, but uh, go to lbc.co.uk for all the all the details. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson has used his Top Gear show as a vehicle to slate Piers Morgan. I'm not actually sure if, if they really don't like each other or if it's just a made-up thing by the media. I don't know. You know, whereas I always joke about, you know, not listening to, you know, other people around here and trying to wind them up, because I don't like anybody at work. I mean, apart, apart from James, because he picked the right chocolate, you know. But you know, sometimes the producer he gets a bit above himself, you know. And it's you know, I mean, I try and be nice to him. But as I say, he brought it. Um, when I arrived in today, I love the. Uh, there was a huge box of chocolates on his desk from uh, from one of the high street chains. It was obviously, it was uh, who, who bought you those? Ollie Man bought you chocolates, did he? Great. Okay, that's another reason why you're never having your hand on my uh, Don Juan's ever again. Okay, that's not Cockney rhyming slang. That's the that's the chocolate. Okay, and you're not having it. What did Ollie Mann bring you in chocolates for? Sorry? For your birthday? What, he just brought them in now? But your, birth- your birthday was ages ago. Has he just brought them in now? Wait a minute, when you opened the box, were the one or two missing? Was it an old Christmas present he was given? Because, I mean, I look at Ollie Mann and I'm not thinking he looks like he's been out to Thornton's recently and bought a box of chocolates. I mean, were they actually sealed in plastic? Or were they opened and there was a couple of sort of apologies for trying this one out? You know, the orange cream or something like that. I bet it was a cheap... I bet it was about nine ninety nine. Does he know what I bought you for your birthday? Let's, let's shame him into guilt. Vintage champagne. Vintage Ollie. That's uh, vintage Dom Perignon. Comes in its own box with a special number on it and everything. But, I mean, I, I don't... You know, seriously, no, Thornton's chocolates are very very appropriate for him. I know he's, you know, he's a bit working class and all the rest of it. But, I mean, he could have bought him a bottle of Astis Pumanti or something. Never anything like it, honestly. <laughs> Sleep apnea one minute and a box of Thornton's chocolates. I think they've been opened. I really do. So, that's why, you know, when we had our deluxe box of chocolates, you know, we ate the Don Juans. Coming up, we'll tell you the truth behind the Oscar-winning selfie that crashed Twitter yesterday. But now, LBC News time, it's 4.30. Morning, Tuesday morning. It's lovely to have your company. It really is nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, 8 for 850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Don't you think that sometimes the justice system in this country is a little bit amiss? Here is a a father and son, a fat pair of old lardies, and uh, they fleece pensioners out of £43,000. They pretended to be doing gardening. Well, this fat father... 
whose name is uh, Edward Dolan, and his uh, chavvy son, Michael, another thief, fleeced pensioners out. How much have they been ordered to pay back out of 43,000 quid? You, know, you couldn't make this one up. Three quid. Three pound. That's all they've been ordered to pay back. They claimed they'd frittered away all of the ill-gotten gains and couldn't repay them. Well, I tell you, at least fat boy fat will be able to lose weight in prison. Michael, 19, was told to hand over pound eighty-two in the proceeds of crime. Well, they've actually frittered it all away. What a pair of liars. What a pair of liars. What a state of them, honestly. They come from Teesside. The teenager, Michael, or as I prefer to call him, the prisoner, has now been sentenced to two years. He made £33,000 in the scheme. You know what sort of people they are, don't you? His 31-stone dad, hopefully to die soon if you're carrying that much weight around, love, Jailed for 15 months at the same hearing, was ordered to give back a pound of his £10,500 taking. What they did, they conned cancer patients, uh, one out of £16,000 over two years. What a pair of filth. What a pair of filth. You know, it's just ridiculous. And, uh, anyway, when they turned up at one house for touting for more business, yeah, we'll do a bit of gardening for you kind of thing, you know, which you know is a con to start with. And, um, and the, uh, the woman's son was there and he called the police. And, of course, they were... They were, they were done, which is great. Uh, all three defendants had admitted conspiracy to defraud while the Dolans pleaded guilty to money laundering. What a pair of uglies. What a fa- Can you imagine? Father and son, both thieves. Dear God in heaven, if there is a God up there, let's hope he takes you both very, very quickly. Oh, it just makes me sick. But, you know, it could be your mother, your father, a little bit of dementia and, uh, and fleeced out of money. You know, you just you just want to really teach them a lesson, don't you? You really do want to teach them a lesson. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, I'm just having another look at this Nexus. It really is quite nice, actually. In fact, it's very nice. I could do with one of these. I like that. I've seen people playing with these on the trains, and they always look really, really good. I'll tell you what the weather is, incidentally, in a moment. Not at this precise moment, because I don't, I don't think it's of any importance to anybody at this time of the morning that we're going to tell you what the weather is. I mean, who cares? Who cares? Unless you're actually driving out in it, in which case you know what the weather is. You just look out the car window. It's not complicated. Uh, Dancing on Ice Hunk, Sam Atwater, is expecting an upset during Sunday's grand final. That'll be the last time you see Christine Bleakley on the television, contrary to what ITV are telling, telling you that they're, um, they're looking for, for things for her. To be honest with you, it's just that the public don't like her. That's why. No matter how much Philip Schofield tries to bigger up, I think that's just what he does. I think that's what his role in life is. He's very good, and that's why he's very successful. I think privately, if you've got Philip Schofield a bit tiddly, he'd probably go, actually, she's rubbish. You know, that's, that's what you want to hear, isn't it? That's what, that's what I would want to hear anyway. Uh, we'll tell you about the selfie that broke Twitter between now and five o'clock. And uh, British movie talent, eight Oscars in a night of triumph, which is fantastic, isn't it? Best picture, 12 Years a Slave. Best Actress, Kate Blanchett, Blue Jasmine. Best Supporting Actor, Gerard Leto in the Dallas Bias Club. I've got to see that film. I got sent Gravity the other day. So I've got Gravity to look forward to seeing, because it's the special effects. But apparently Rupert Barty was telling me that it makes you feel quite dizzy, because there's lots of people turning over and over and over. Uh, then there was um, relative unknown Molly Smitten Downs. Molly Smitten Downs is going to be representing us for Eurovision. Now, I also hadn't heard of her. Um, I did like, and it's probably not a popular thing, but I absolutely adored um, Engelbert Humperdinck's song. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And we were talking about Eurovision the other day, and Noreen says Brian has heard of her. She was in Sash in 2008. Oh, do you know that? No, you didn't know that. Of course you didn't. 
like you couldn't find the Don Juan chocolate, you know. So well, I would expect you to have heard of Sash. And they had a top ten hit, apparently. So there you go, really good. What was the top ten hit called? Don't know, do you? Got no idea at all. Just making it up. Making it up, trying to make yourself interesting. But uh, will we win? No. That's why we put up a relative unknown. No point, I mean, let's face it, Blue died on their proverbial on many an occasion. So, I mean, why would we bother with the Eurovision? Gone are the days of Cliff Richard. Gone are the days of making your mind up. Gone are the days of Katrina and the Waves. Gone are the days of, you know, all sorts of people who did very well for us. Sandy Shaw, of course. And now we come up with Molly Smitten Downs. I mean, who is she? The answer... Oh, so she was in Sash, and she had a top ten hit, apparently, says Noreen. And I think... And that's the best... Because it's so fiddled, Eurovision. It goes to all these Baltic countries. They all vote with each other and, and side with each other, and that's why, you'd, you know, a real song doesn't get a look in. It really doesn't. I liked it... Uh, Moldova. Was it Moldova who won a few years back? And I loved the song. I loved the song. <laughs> it was great. Everybody else hated it except me, but I loved it. Mind you, I also liked Lordy with Hard Rock Hallelujah. Nathan Morley was very excited about that, because his, uh, his wife is Finnish. And he was, he was putting money on Lordy and blow me down. The blooming thing won. It won. On the extra yesterday, says Nora, you mentioned a show with Marmalade, Herman's Hermits, Steve Ellis. We've already booked for November. In fact, somebody slipped up. We've got two lots of tickets. One set front row, one set front of rear stalls. I think front row, isn't it, for something like that? Definitely. And uh, she did read that Prunella Scales has Alzheimer's. Very sad. An amazing family. We met Sam West at a funeral some years ago. I didn't have a clue who he was till people were asking him how Tim was, how Prue was, and then I put two together. Yes, uh, Sam I've interviewed on a couple of occasions. Big Doctor Who fan. I gave him a lovely book, which came out about uh, Doctor Who. And he's a big fan of it. Does a lot of voiceover work. Great actor, Sam West. But uh, terrible, really. And that's why poor uh, Prunella Scale, suffering from dementia, Timothy has uh, revealed. It's a sort of mild Alzheimer's. She's 81. And I did tell you a short while ago that they've got a programme coming out, which is to do with Great Canal Journeys. And they, they love doing it. I mean, I saw them on a train once, and, of course, I worked with Prunella Scales. I say worked with. We did the coverage for Andrew and Fergie's wedding. And we were opposite Westminster Abbey, and we covered it for radio for the whole country, so people opted in to, uh, to take it. I mean, it is, it is terrible. Dr Alison Cook from the Alzheimer's Society said, we'd like to thank Timothy West for speaking out about Prunella Scales' dementia and raising awareness of the condition. I think we're all aware of it. I don't think we need any more awareness. It's like Sam for ears from The Only Way is Essex, she's got Crohn's. And uh, she said, I'll, I'll be the face of Crohn's. Well, there's loads of other people out there. I'd rather see them. Both of her face, thank you very much indeed. Lots of people, young children, live with it. Why don't they just pick somebody who's ordinary, as opposed to some attention-seeking person? Prunella Scale says, I, I always say I want to die on the eighth curtain call. I just hope I've been quite good. I think you have. She played uh, a mean Queen Victoria, and uh, she's lovely. She really is absolutely lovely, so... That's, that's terribly sad. Terribly, terribly sad. Um, another one here. Oh, I'll tell you what's coming back. I got a, a notification the other day. Duty Free. Duty Free with Keith Barron is coming back. And the reason it's coming back is they're going to do a stage show. A stage show. Uh, which sounds absolutely fantastic. It really does. Big fan of Duty Free, as you know. The script's absolutely marvellous. Uh, Keith Barron, I don't know how old Keith Barron is now. Wait a minute, I have it? Just move the chocolates. And, uh, fine, I'm like rubbing it in slowly but surely. So it's going to be Keith Barron, Gwen Taylor and Neil Stacey. Now, we did Gwen Taylor a short while ago on In Conversation. She's lovely, I love her. 
Love of the pieces. And Neil Stacey. But there's no Joanna von Geisingham. So I don't know whatever happened to Joanna von Geisingham. She's still with us, isn't she? I do hope so. But uh, they've cast uh, as Linda Carol Royal, who's been in Life Without George, Heartbeat, Professionals, Crossroads and Casualty. And so they're doing a, a tour, Last of the Duty Free. Keith Barron and Gwen Taylor, of course, being there. And they'll have fun in the sun for the first time in 28 years. Which I absolutely love. I think it's brilliant. They're doing Theatre Royal Windsor. Uh, Truro, the court in Cornwall. Uh, what else? I'm trying to have it. It's a big tour, actually. Quite a big tour. Brighton, Woking, Milton Keynes, Mulvern, Cambridge. They're doing the Arts Theatre. We like Cambridge. Don't we mentioned Cambridge the other day. Churchill Theatre in Bromley. Uh, Glasgow. Where else we got? Bromley, Churchill, uh, Theatre Royal in Bath. So, now where's, where's Richmond Theatre? Where's Richmond Theatre? That's not down here at all, and we like Richmond Theatre. But it appears not to be on their list, which is a great... She goes, people would love it. The nearest we get is actually Windsor. No doubt, I, mean, I suppose they could actually... They could actually elbow in Richmond at some point, unless Richmond is fully booked up at the moment. 84850, steve at uk. Did you remember, says David in Sawbridgeworth, the name of the village near Stork... No, I didn't. We were all going mad upstairs. Joanne, uh, Webb and J. Louise. We were all sitting there because J. Louise lives very near where I was, where we had the, we had the dreadful service for the tea. And that was quite interesting because she said so we were getting the maps out and it just didn't help. She says, maybe it isn't actually a village. Maybe you just drove. It's like sometimes you get these little row of houses in a little place and then you just, it's, it's a link between one village to another. And maybe it wasn't actually a village. Either way, it was driving us all mad. It ripped <laughs> Was sitting there. She goes, is it so? No. Is it? No. And in the end, I started doubting whether I'd actually been there. But it was so pretty and it was so nice out in Hertfordshire. It's a thin line, apparently, which you all told me yesterday. Very thin line between Hertfordshire and Essex. It's it's borders. It's borders. Either way, it was it was absolutely beautiful and delightful. And I thought I could move there. I could move there. It's just a bit too far out. And then I thought, but wait a minute. Jay Louise, who came in yesterday to do the, do the travel, she's that it takes her an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 But it's so beautiful out there. It's so beautiful. Uh, would you like to know the weather? I don't really want to ruin your day, I'm afraid. Well, I can tell you, cloudy with showers in Kent, becoming drier and brighter, then isolated light showers, sunny spells elsewhere. Uh, currently it's three degrees. I said it was cold. It'll rise to ten. Tonight is a slight frost, a risk of ice on untreated surfaces, because it's that cold, lows three. And then tomorrow sunny start, dry throughout the day, cloudy from the west, but no rain. Thursday, Friday, cloudy, occasional light rain, and mild, and Saturday cloudy to start, but dry. And then it's big rugby on Sunday in Twickenham. It's Wales. There'll be a lot of people singing Sospan Far. I should imagine. The Pope swore the other day. You can't imagine the Pope swearing. Apparently, he, he accidentally said the F word. You can't... I mean, I mean, I'm assuming the Pope has heard of the F word. He was a normal person. He meant to say, in questo queso, which means in this case, but instead said... I can't say what the word is, because in Italian it's, it's the F word, I'm afraid. So millions of Catholics were listening, <laughs> and those who could understand were left stunned by what they heard. Within seconds, his blunder was appearing on Italian websites and went viral on YouTube. Argentine Pope Francis had been urging world leaders to find a peaceful solution. <laughs> you can imagine, can't you? And halfway through, the Pope chucks in a rude word. Well, he's only human, as they say. But uh, in this 
It's, it's, I mean, I, I can't... I don't want to read all of it out because it sounds too funny. But, uh, no, I won't, I won't read it, actually. Apparently, experts claim the mispronunciation is a common mistake for Spanish speakers. The Pope carried on without a flinch after correcting himself. The Vatican wouldn't comment. Well, I bet they would. Somebody going, you heard Pope the other day? So funny, so funny. <laughs> Can you imagine them all wandering the corridors, nuns walking past going, mm, like that. Uh, oh, dear. Coming up, we'll be talking about Prince Harry's meeting with... Archbishop Desmond Tutu. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. It is 12 minutes to five. Tuesday morning, Nick Ferrari. This morning at seven, the day after thousands of 10 and 11-year-olds across the country face discovering that they failed to get into the secondary school of their choice, Nick will be asking, why can't our school system cope? Plus, why is London the worst for breast cancer screening, and should pupils be made to play act scenes, to play to play act scenes with gay characters at school? All of that and more. George Pascoe Watson, former political editor at The Sun and now a partner at Portland Communications, will be looking at the papers for today. So, in fact, I wonder whether he will notice the picture. It was taken by a lady in Queensland, Tiffany Corliss. And she was... I don't know why they were sort of watching this kind of thing, but anyway, uh, they are there um, filming on a lake and they see this huge snake... You know, and it is, it is a pretty big snake. It's a water python. It's about uh, ten feet long. It weighs about three stone, and it eats fish, rats, and in this particular case, a crocodile. The crocodile is here. This is a six-foot-six crocodile. Fresh water. The snake grabs it, wraps its body around it, and literally squeezes the life out of it. You would have thought... But crocodiles, as they you know, could get their their jaws going, and they could literally, you know, just bite the snake in half. Well, this one didn't have an opportunity. The snake took its head well away and left the body to wrap itself around the crocodile, which it then killed. And then, not content with killing the crocodile, and the picture is in most of the papers for today, it drags it out of the lake and proceeds to eat it face first. And uh, there's a picture of the crocodile. Uh, inside the snake's body, you can quite because the snake's body expands. It's a bit like sort of one of those shopping baskets that accommodates all sorts of things. And you could do exactly the same here. And so the snake has eaten the crocodile. And then what it will do is the enzymes inside the stomach of the snake will dissolve the bones and everything. I mean, I've never eaten crocodile. I did know a, a restaurant where they served crocodile. It's never quite appealed to me. They always say, oh, it always tastes like chicken. But then again, everything tastes like chicken nowadays. But it's just this crocodile thinking, is this the end? Or is it not? I wonder if animals think like that. I mean, I, I don't know. I find it very odd. Very, very odd. Uh, I mentioned Simon Cowell earlier. He said that um, he uh, he gets his best TV ideas after a couple of vodkas. Don't we all? I've practically rebuilt the economy after a couple of vodkas, which is nice. And uh, a man filmed shoplifting on Channel 4's Benefit Street has been jailed for stealing wine from a supermarket. There you go, the immensely thick and dim Danny Smith's appearance on the show led to 200 complaints he was seen making a shoplifting kit. Uh, a court hurled he was jailed for a year for shoplifting and breaching an ASBO, banning him from Birmingham City Centre. Days after being freed... He was then seen fleeing a Morrison's store with the wine. He admitted theft, jailed for 14 weeks. They're incredibly stupid on Benefit Street, aren't they? They really are. They're sort of... They think they're being really clever. But in fact, they're so dumb and stupid. You couldn't have a conversation with them. They're a bit like that, that thieving gardener pair, the fat bloke. 
who's, uh, who's carrying so much weight. Imagine it'd be good to get him in prison. And his thieving son as well. What a disgusting piece of toast. you imagine? And what do your father do? Well, both of us thieve and rob pensioners. Disgusting, isn't it? Uh, food banks. Do you have to prove in a food bank that you really are on, on poor street? Eleven months ago, we were feeding 30 people a week. Now it's 1,600 and I'm beginning to wonder whether or not people just turn up and go, yeah, I'll have a food bag, and they're just taking it. I mean, is there some means testing for this? I mean, I, I don't understand. This is in uh, the city's West End. This is in Newcastle. Hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. At each two-hour session for handouts, hundreds queue with vouchers, mums with babies, pensioners, men and women, waiting patiently for bags of basic food items. And uh, what they do is they actually get instant soup... Pot noodle, mash and porridge, food which can be prepared by boiling a kettle. And it's the same people. But so people unable to pay for gas, electricity and food at the same time. Well, who are they? Who are these people? You know, it always makes me laugh. You see people, there was a woman on the television the other day, they're trying to flog her book because they go, oh, she's learnt how to sort of feed her child on very little. And I looked at her and I thought, but she can afford to have tattoos done. And tattoos are not cheap. You know, tattoos aren't a fiver. It could be like, for a whole arm, it could be two or three hundred pounds, easily. And you think, so you'd rather spend it on a tattoo as opposed to buying food for your child, you dimwit. So that's why you see these people here, and they all look perfectly capable of working. They're young. So how is it the rest of us can manage and they can't? You know, on Benefit Street, they have to go out thieving. I take them off benefits immediately. Get them out there working. So I tell you what, we've got a government scheme. You know, White D, come on, you fat lardy. Let's get you off your bum, out there and doing a job. There must be something you can do. There must be something. I don't believe that for the rest of your life you're going to be sponging, because that's what it is. It's sponging, I'm afraid. You know, whether you've got, you know, bipolar or, or anything, I'm not really not interested in your silly little illnesses. I'm really not interested in this bipolar. You know, you, you haven't had a bipolar attack or whatever it is on the television. You managed to do your appearances. You managed to work in a, in a nightclub the other day. So come on. Come on. I was talking, actually, very odd. We were talking about a benefits fraudster from GMTV. Uh, and one of the guys in the office says, oh, I knew all about her. And she was always a bit suspect years ago. I think she thieves 76,000, but because she's apparently epileptic, not that anybody's uh, ever seen an epileptic fit from her, um, they've, she's managed to escape prison. She thieved £76,000. And you think, oh, it's just not... It must be so easy to do nowadays. There appears to be no... No sort of checks on anything at all. It just seems to be people can go out there. And then years later, we all discover, don't we? I remember shopping my next-door neighbour once, years and years and years ago, because he was working, but he was claiming benefits. And so I phoned... And I remember phoning up. There used to be a... I think this probably still is, a benefit fraud line. If you suspect somebody of benefit fraud, you phone up anonymously, and you can shop somebody. And I can remember phoning up. I can't remember where this particular office was, but I said, he's working as a minicab driver. She said, well, that's not possible. And I said, what do you mean it's not possible? I, I, I began to wonder whether or not I was, I'd dialed the wrong, you know, the wrong people. And so she said, well, it's not possible for somebody to work as a, as a, as a minicab driver because they have to be licensed. I said, this is London. We've got illegal minicabs driven by, you know, well, anybody from perverts to drug dealers. They're all out there, you know, people stupidly get in a cab that isn't licensed. I said, so that's what he's doing. He's driving around. He's touting. She said, well, I don't understand how that can possibly happen. And I wanted to say to her, have you been to London recently? Or are you living in some little village called Cocoon? It was all a little bit worrying. But anyway, eventually they sort of, they got him off the streets and they finally, finally realised that he'd actually been earning money. And, uh, sh the, and the girlfriend was even worse. 
Even worse, she was ordering from catalogues. I mean, this was really, this was really hilarious. She was ordering from catalogues, even after they had an eviction notice on the place they were living. And, and she was having stuff delivered, but not, not paying for it. And so I remember phoning up the catalogue company to say, listen, this, this woman here at th- this address is ordering stuff from your catalogue, but they don't live here anymore. She's kept a key and she was coming in to collect the stuff. And so the woman at the other end at the catalogue company, I can't remember, it might have been Freeman's or something like that, and uh, she said, Do you, are you related to this woman? So I said, no. She said, well, I can't carry on this, this conversation. I said, you know, you deserve to be ripped off. You absolutely, if you're that stupid that you send stuff out to somebody who's got no intention of paying for it, you really deserve to be ripped off. And I was happy to put the phone down. Uh, June says, face of Crohn's, if she wants to do that, she should show coping on bad days. And as somebody who's had it since 79, I can assure you, it wouldn't make nice television. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's now, you know, we knew there was something going on, but I know lots of people who have Crohn's and colitis. Lots of people. And I don't want to see Sam for here's, I'm afraid, up there. I'd rather see June ordinary people, ordinary people up there, not some sort of attention-seeking person. That just drives me mad, I'm afraid. Drives me mad. Uh, what else in the paper? I'm trying to find... Actually, Ali Ross's column is always very interesting, and it's very interesting today. But he talks uh, about great TV lies and delusions of the month, February. Peter Jones, we've got the beautiful Kelly Hoppen in the den now. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the jump. Hi, I'm Sunita and I'm the pop star. We like Sunita. And Towie's Gemma Collins. Three and a half years in, you've all seen us develop and grow. Well, we've all seen you grow, dear. Let's face it, you are as big as a beach hut. No sign of Gemma Collins ever losing the weight. That's the big problem that she's tried, and it's just a publicity stunt now, and you can never take her seriously. Never, ever take her seriously. Uh, Steve, you have to be referred to the food bank. You can't just turn up. Well, I'm hoping that's right. Because some of these people, they look... You know, I could understand if these were elderly people. These are young people. Are they sort of... Are they all on the benefits street? Steve, I think the village was Man- Manuden. Manuden or something. Well, you see, I thought it was that as well. But we looked at the pictures of it. The producer got it up on the screen for me, and I didn't recognise anything. It looked quite... It's got a church, but then all villages out there have got churches, haven't they? Um, what about the... What about men and screen for prostate cancer? Says Jeff. I'm on my way to see the GP about... What, now? Can't be on your way now. What, what GP's open at this time of the morning? To make sure no problems. Men have no communities they can ask questions. Well, you should do. You speak to any doctor and they'll say men are the worst ones for going in and not talking about anything. You know, generally it's wives who take their husbands in. They sit down and uh, and the doctor goes, yes. And the wife goes, tell him. Tell him. Or her, whoever it is. I tell my my doctors everything whether they want to hear it or not. I go in there. It's like a social thing for me. I just love it. You know, why not talk to people about your illnesses? If I'm ill, I tell everyone. I do it on air. I tell people, I mean, I said to the producer this morning, I said, I don't feel very well. I don't know what it is. He says it's probably that chocolate you ate, which should have been mine. You know, I thought, it's, he's always going to turn it round. It's always him, him, him. You know, like, you know, I hardly mention myself, as you know. <laughs> oh, dear. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We weave everything in on the programme. We have to, because the producer gets a little bit upset about it. And uh, we shall weave some more in the other side of the news, which is coming up at five o'clock. If you have joined us, it is Tuesday morning. I know you might be on holiday at the moment, actually. Might be one of those sort of days where you think, oh, I think I'll take a holiday. Or I'll do a sickie. 
I thought, it was fine when I, when I got up, but I sort of sat in the back of the car and I thought, I, I, I could nod off to sleep now. It's so easy, isn't it? Having heard Ollie's programme, I realise now, you know, that it's, it's quite difficult, but I've had the advice, so I can, I can probably get some sleep, I should imagine. Still plenty more to come on your Tuesday early morning breakfast show. Remember our gadget giveaway. Today you could be the lucky one who wins the Nexus 7 tablet. Plus they found some more benefits to doing yoga. Oh, I hate yoga. Apparently it could improve the lives of breast cancer patients. Researchers are saying that practising yoga can improve the well-being of women having radiation therapy. Four in ten children in some areas missing out on their first choice of schools. And, of course, we'll be going through the papers and taking your texts and tweets as well. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. That's what your radio is made for. From LBC, this is Steve Allen, and all of that is up next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday morning. It's lovely to have you company. It's cold. Apparently up in Glasgow, though, as Junior tells me, he says we had a light dusting of snow on the hills. Not. It was quite serious, apparently. So uh, that's it. I, I can't wait to see a bit of snow. Uh, but I've just... Uh, I've just decided, as long as it's outside the window, I don't, I don't want it inside at all, I'm afraid. And, uh, and are you part of the, the spike on LBC? Of course you are. I don't care if you're working. I don't care if you're lying in bed. I don't care if you're in hospital. I don't care if you're waiting to see a doctor in A&E. A lot of people claim to be abusing A&E. And that's what they've said. A lot of staff, you know, people just go in there, time wasters, I call them. They just want somebody to go and sit. All of that and more on our great gadget giveaway between now and 6.30. It's coming up five past five. It is cold this morning. I would put on, I would put on your thermal pants and vest because it's the only thing that's going to get you through the daytime. Uh, the Oscars they were talking about the other day and Oscar. So we had the Oscars and we had the fact that we did quite well. We got eight, which is good news. I always think it's good when the Brits get recognised, but it, it does tend to be mainly for the technical side, the things that we can do. So gravity, I got sent. Yesterday, so I'll probably try and watch that a little bit later on today in between doing the VAT. And, uh, and then you've got uh, Oscar uh, Pistorius, his uh, defence. And the fact it's being held in camera so people can watch around the world. And it becomes a little bit of a circus. I know the Americans have done it. They've never done it in, in South Africa. I get the feeling, though, that, you know, watching something on South African television. I wish the camera would move around a little bit more. I can't see what's going on half the time. Somebody starts talking and you think, well, who's that? Where is that person coming from? And uh, the model's mother was in court as well. They're all in court. You know, it's, it's the thing that is gripping the nation. And so they're all watching that. So that's in the papers for today. Fraudsters, scamming holidaymakers, that'll be me and you, out of a lot of money with fake trips. Bogus airline tickets to Africa and dodgy trips to golf to ride a cup more than, were among more than 4,500 cases in 12 months. One couple were conned into booking a £1,000 holiday at a non-existent lodge in Loch Ness. This is the National Fraud Intelligence Bureau. They're urging Britons to be very wary of online scams. You know, people say, oh, you can have this free... Do you remember it used to be a free holiday? You know, have this free four-day cruise leaving from Florida from Fort Lauderdale or wherever it happened to be. And you think, oh, the love boat all over again. And so people would send off the money. And when you get there, it's just a normal trip and they've been ripped off. It wasn't free at all. No such thing as free. There isn't anything that's free. Favourite kid's meal at the moment? 
I don't know, it really drives me mad when people cannot say spaghetti bolognese. No, they have to go spag bol. It's so pretentious, it really is. Uh, I, of course, I mean, that is the, the number one food. The list of uh, other things, sausage and chips, sausage and mash, fish fingers and chips and roast dinner. So I think it comes with, if it comes with chips, they like it, don't they? But is it peas or beans? Our local fish and chip shop, one of them, uh, does mushy beans. I wasn't sure if they'd made a mistake. They're Turkish. I don't know whether or not mushy beans is... I didn't know there was such a thing. Unless they've dropped the tin or something like that. I, I mean, I don't know. Mushy beans. I can't even stand mushy peas. It's a horrible northern concoction. With apologies to people up more than actually no apologies at all. I don't know why you'd ever want... It's like gravy on your chips. Whoever came up with that one? Gravy on your chips. Not so good. Not so good. And uh, foreign staff at Lloyd's Bank have been issued detailed instructions on using the toilet. Rules with diagrams were put up to teach workers UK bathroom etiquette to avoid unnecessary mess or broken lavatories. Somebody says, one of them reads, please sit on the lavatory, don't stand on it. Dear. Sounds it. You know, I mean, it used to be so simple. You're spending a penny? Yes. Thank you. And, uh, and the other story that was in the paper today... Uh, police hunting an armed robber caught on CCTV refused to call him a suspect in case it harms his human rights. This human right malarkey has turned into a right old load of spherical objects. So uh, they yesterday asked the public to ID him simply from an image of him with a woollen black beanie pulled over his face with no clue to his height, build or accent. Police fearful his right to a fair trial could be breached. Stressed absurdly, we are not suggesting the man is a suspect, just somebody we want to talk to. <laughs> carried like a gun, and he's got a balaclava over his head. Uh, we're not actually looking for him in, in connection with this crime. We just thought we'd, uh, you know, uh, just have a chat with him, you know, see if he knows anything. It was like the other day, one of the police camera action programmes, which I love. I sit there looking at these people thinking, oh, I'd have no truck with them whatsoever at all, I'm afraid. And, uh, and one of them, they, they get this lad out the back of the car, and the police officer goes, I can smell cannabis. Have you been smoking cannabis? And uh, this 17-year-old, very gobby little boy, goes, uh, no. He says, I'd like to come and sit in the back of the car. No. And he says, you've been in trouble. Are you known to the police? And this gobby little 17-year-old goes, uh, might be. He says, what for? So I'm not telling you. Police officer says, well, it's going to be a long session, isn't it, then, really? And uh, it turns out, then, because they've got the camera there, they can't do anything. I'd have had him pinned to the ground immediately, handcuffed and thrown in the back of the car, whether he wanted it or not. But that's just me. I think we're far too lenient with these people. Like, like, like the couple earlier on, the fat father and the, uh, and, the, uh, and the son, you know what sort of people they are, you know where they come from. And uh, they were ripping off pensioners, pensioners with, with dementia, to the tune of 43,000. How much do they have to pay back? Three pounds. Because they apparently, they didn't have that money anymore. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right. They must think we fell off trees, I'm afraid. Absolutely. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 84850. Tom says, I had an accident, meant I had to resign as a, as a head chef. Had to wait five weeks for benefit, then after six months had another five-week break due to admin. The family stepped in and I used what was my store cupboard. I went nowhere near a food bank. Trouble is, nobody prepares for a rainy day. Too many families are multi-generation claimants. Yes, it's what it, it seems. I mean, when this 17-year-old lad was stopped by the police, he knew all the answers. And then they, then they stopped another man. Sorry, are you known to the police? I'm not telling you that. I'd like to come and sit in the back of the car. No, I don't want to sit in the back of your car. And you think, after what? You know, I'm sorry. It's people who are just, you know, the rude. They don't have any respect for anybody. We were always taught, you know, respect for police officers and uh, respect for, for the elderly. That's gone out the window. People now, they abuse. I've seen people kicking and screaming and spitting. 
I mean, they had some man that they'd arrested the other day. He was Polish, and he was going into a hostel, but he's banned from there. He's got a court order against him. Cannot go within 500 metres or yards or whatever it happened, inches, I don't know. And he went back there because he was drunk. And he quite clearly speaks very good English. He gets back to the station, and they have to get an interpreter. And they said, listen, we want you to empty your pockets. And he just looks at them and sticks his fingers up to them. And you think, why should the police officers have to put up with this? Why do the staff in A&E have to put up with people who go in there and abuse them? Come and see me. No, there's other people more important than you. You sit down there, you're a drunk. Just be quiet. I mean, I'd, you know, I'd like one of those little things that Mr Spock's got. It's that gift of somebody. You just go up and just lightly touch them on the shoulders and they just collapse. You know, that's the kind of... I like that idea. I like the idea of that. I think that's a brilliant idea. The idea of having to sit down and nurses have to put up with these toe rags, you know, it just drives me mad. Absolutely drives me mad. So when they go, you know, it's going to infringe their human rights. It's like we can't send back. What was it the other day we, we discovered? Two paedophiles and a serial rapist. We can't send them back because they might get into trouble in their own countries and it might infringe their human rights. What about the human rights of the people they've abused over here? Dreadful. I get really angry about that. Desmond Tutu has got a nice smile, hasn't he? You got, you got Prince Harry. You suddenly realise when you see Prince Harry standing next to Desmond Tutu, as small Desmond Tutu is, he appears to have shrunk over the years. Or Harry's. I mean, I was, I was hoping that it would have been the Queen. Instead, they got David Cameron and Ed Miliband, Idris Elba, and, um, and they were all greeting people. This is for a memorial service to Nelson Mandela in London, of all places. You not think South Africa would have been better? I don't know why. How many times did he come to Did he come to London many times? I don't know. I never met him. I never. Alan Titchmarsh met him because they gave him a free garden, didn't they? And they went over there with Charlie Dimmock. I think she had to wear a bra for that occasion. Otherwise, you know, he's he's quite elderly, Charlie. Mm, well, Charlie Dimmock was famous for for not wearing a bra. I don't know why that was important when you're doing a water feature. But I just thought I'd mention it now. Uh, also, rock band the Kaiser Chiefs had apparently had a, a bust-up behind the scenes with Nigel Farage and accused him of being racist and a liar. They refused to share a green room before going on the Andrew Marr show. The band also refused to perform live in front of Mr Farage. Only when the BBC producers insisted did they register their anger on Twitter. Interesting, isn't it, really? Very interesting. I think that, that debate is going to be very good with Nigel Farage and Ed Miller Band. Well, I do hope so, anyway. 84850, Steve, at uk. Uh, we read everything out on the programme. Why? Because we have to. It's as simple as that. I've just seen the music video, Little Mix for Sports Relief. They make a good song look bad. They're currently conquering, Jenny, America, Little Minx. Mix. And they're over there. This is the band, which uh, actually has four deeply unattractive people. It's unusual. You normally can find somebody attractive to sort of boost it up a little bit, but they, they haven't. I suppose they're sort of like the poor man's um, Saturdays or something like that, aren't they? It's funny, we had the Wanted in yesterday. I was happy to be down in reception waiting, and the Wanted came in, because they've got a, a big tour coming up. And they came in, and little, little Nathan, I mean... I, th- I felt like saying to him, should you put a belt on your jeans? Because they were halfway down his bottom. And I thought, is this, this is the way that they wear it now. And it's all something to do with the prisons in America, where they take away their belts, so they walk around. Well, I think that's, is that how it is? That's what it is, isn't it? So nobody wears belts. And so it's been sort of taken on over here. And one of the other, I'm, I'm telling you this, because I've probably drummed out the brownies. And, and somebody said to him, so one of the other band members said, but what do you do for the weekend? Because they hadn't spoken, I think, for a little while. They've all been doing their own things. And he said, for the first time ever, he said, I had an ordinary weekend. He said, I just became an ordinary person for the weekend. Well, that's quite nice, isn't it? When you could just do nothing. Where you could just sort of, you know, put your feet up and go, do you know, this weekend. They always ask me here, 
What are you doing for the weekend? And I never, you know, I don't have an answer. Well, I mean, this weekend I am busy because I'm eating. Twice on Friday I've got lunchtime with some people, then I've got Friday evening with people, then I've got Saturday lunchtime, and then Sunday I'm going to stay in because we've got rugby and we've got the Welsh shin. And it's funny because Caroline was saying to me, she sort of sets up Nick Ferrari's programme, she said, every day you weave something Welsh in on the programme. I said, well, secretly, I want to be Welsh. Secretly, I wish that I could go to bed and wake up speaking Welsh. I would love to be able to speak, you know, so you could have a conversation. I love the idea of being able to speak another language and just flip-flopping between the two. My ultimate ambition, as you know by now, is to speak Cantonese. I want to be able to go into the Chinese restaurant and listen to them and then reply, and you know, as if you sort of say, I know exactly what you've just said about that customer. Just to see the look on over, because you know that they drag Chef out from the kitchen and go, Lord, you speak Cantonese. It could be so exciting. I love it. 5.15. Morning, everybody. Nick Ferrari this morning at 7, the day after thousands of 10 and 11-year-olds across the country face discovering that they failed to get into the secondary school of their choice. Nick will be asking, why can't our school system cope? Plus, why is London the worst for breast cancer screening, and should pupils be made to play-act scenes with gay characters at school? Nick of the team at seven, George Pascoe Watson, former political editor at The Sun and now a partner at Portland Communications, will be live in the studio looking at the front pages of the papers. I'll give you the gadget competition in a moment. Keith says, to use a food bank, you have to be referred. You can't just turn up. Uh, these people are not necessarily spongers. I personally know people who've been put out of work and are in desperate situations. What, they really don't have any money to buy a pot noodle. They really don't, don't they, because you don't get benefits straight away. And they really don't, do these people not have families and things like that? I mean, you know, I'm, it, I suppose it would be like me years ago, coming up to London. When I first came up here, back in the 1970s, <laughs> gosh, it seems ages ago now, and, and I didn't have any money. My rent was £8 a week in this flat I was sharing with these uh, two girls, Angela and Diane. And they were at Arts Educational School. They were training to be ballet dancers. And they went on to do slightly different things, still, still within show business. And we didn't have any money. We didn't have any food in the cupboard. We didn't have milk or anything like that. We didn't, I don't know how we survived, to be honest with you. I really don't mind you. I had a 28-inch waist. I was a bit excited by that. I thought a 28-inch waist doesn't get any better than that, does it? I, st- I still long for those happy days. And so it's, it's very difficult to wait when people say, in this day and age, people don't have any money for food. I mean, some, uh, sometimes, Keith says, they do delay the money at the DSS. That money's the lifeline. The DSS also sanctioned people for the most obscure reasons. Most of us down here on the floor are only one paycheck away from destitution. Poor pay, high rents. Unfortunately, the media... Only show you the small minority who do sponge. The big tellies and the tattoos came from a happier time when they were working. But, I mean, but there again, you know, I mean, you shouldn't still have them now. If you're literally saying you can't afford to have food, how do you pay the, the lecky bill? I don't know. To use a food bank, you must be given a voucher from a GP, social worker or a DWP official. They only supply food for a limited period and to those in crisis. So now you know. I'm looking at the picture, though, so the people cure. They're young people. They're not the elderly who you would think would be the ones affected. I do know elderly people. I see people out there. I've, I was speaking to somebody. I won't say who it is because I know they listen to the programme. And uh, they were in the greengrocer the other day. And they bought one apple, one banana and one orange. You know, as opposed to people would buy a bag of oranges. You know, they were doing ten oranges for a pound the other day. Ten oranges for a pound. And I appreciate the fact that some... That's why Iceland is very successful, because they've got food at a pound. I mean, the quality, obviously, is not going to be absolutely top-notch. But for people who are down on that level, it doesn't matter, does it? It's a pound. You can buy... I mean, I, the other day, 
they were selling cauliflowers at Paul Cooper's, pound fifty, And I thought that you get a big collie for pound fifty, and that would actually be good. But you try and, try and persuade kids to eat vegetables nowadays, they're not interested. But then I always think, you know, I wonder how many of these people who are queuing up for the food banks smoke. How many drink? How many have got the tattoos? You know, you can afford to have these things done. They go, of course, I'm not working. But there must be something. I mean, do you not want to work? Do you not want to work? There are jobs out there. There must be. I saw a thing the other day in the papers. Starbucks, they're looking for thousands of people, you know, to train up as baristas. There's a sign on the butcher's shop, Laverstock, in Twickenham. They're looking for people to sign up to butchery classes. Admittedly, not much fun if you're a vegetarian. But I'm quite sure if you went to Stuart in Sandys and said, listen, I'd like to be a, a fishmonger, I'd like to know about preparing fish. I mean, he could probably arrange something. I would have thought so. He's that sort of person. But, but that's what it is. There must be something. I mean, surely the, it gives you more of a sense of pride, so, um, more of a sense of, of belonging to actually get up in the morning. I understand how difficult it is. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've been there. I was unemployed many, many years ago, and I discovered that you'd sort of sit there, and because we didn't have any money, it didn't make any difference. I wasn't smoking. I didn't drink. We didn't drink alcohol. On the odd occasion, somebody would buy you a drink, it would be a Coca-Cola, so we never, we never worried about that. And the later you went to bed, the later you got up in the morning. It'd be difficult. The girls would go off to college. They'd go, you're going out to look for a job today? I'd go, yep. The moment they shut the front door, I was asleep again. And you wouldn't get up till later. Later, and then you'd start fibbing. they said, say, did you go out today? Yeah, nothing. And the only job I actually went for was, uh, was working for uh, British Rail as a ticket clerk. And I couldn't even do that. Because the exam, I thought, was quite difficult. And I thought I was a reasonably intelligent person. So, uh, you know, DJing kind of was a, a natural progression. But I, I understand how difficult it is. That's why on Benefit Street, they do sit there smoking. Because the, there's nothing in their lives. They don't have anything. The, there is nothing to get up for. They don't have a job and they can't be bothered to go look for one. Uh, Ellie's a big fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. To be honest, there have been some amazing songs from most countries which were totally ignored and that's sad. I think the reason why nobody votes for the UK is that they believe there are enough internationally recognised and successful British acts and other nations need a push. No, it isn't that at all. It's just that we're rubbish. It's just that we're rubbish. We haven't had a, a hit for ages. Uh, nobody votes. They're more than happy to come and take, take the benefit system but they don't want to vote for us. Because the songs aren't as good as some other countries. Admittedly, some of the countries are dire. Their idea of a universe... The whole idea for Eurovision is a song that's going to appeal to people. Years ago, it didn't matter. So when Cliff Richard did it, wearing a doily round his neck, and uh, Sandy Shaw did it barefooted with her puppet on a string, and Katrina and the Waves were, Love, shine a light... And it was a catchy song. And then you had that lovely song from... Who was the girl? Little Irish girl. Ireland won it for loads of times. A little piece, a little loving... Was that Ireland? I can't remember. It might have been somebody else. That was... Oh, I can't remember her name now. But, uh, oh, I nearly had the name then. Sometimes the brain doesn't function totally in the morning. I think it was called A Little Piece. And it was one, one girl. And when she, she sang the song, she sang it in her native language. But then when she won, every line she sang in a different language. It was brilliant. Absolutely insane. Nicole. As in Papa and Nicole. Nicole. It was called A Little Piece, wasn't it? Lovely little song. Ireland won it loads of times. In the end, Ireland, we get, please don't vote for us. And that, that, our puppet sang it one year. Because it, it cost too much to stage it. They go, and Ireland are one, and they're all going, no, I can't believe it. We don't want to win again. And I think a farmer funded it. So all the way down these little country lanes, all these huge lorries were trundling in there. I mean, I love Eurovision. You know, I, I think Christo has a Eurovision party every year. 
But there again, that's just sad, isn't it, really, I think. <laughs> but I love it. I love the Eurovision Song Contest. I like watching the, uh, the, uh, the marking, because that's, that's the big problem. June says, Christine, how are you? Bleakley is going on this morning with Holly while Philip is away. I know, you'd never believe it, would you? She's never talked about it or mentioned it, because it's her only gig. The Dancing on Ice finishes on Sunday. Her other programme's been axed. And again, they paid so much for her, and they seriously believe at ITV that Susanna Reid is going to save breakfast. And so Ladbrokes have put five to one on. That show is canned within a year. They put her back with Ben Shepherd, as I pointed out at the beginning of the programme. When you do a double-headed programme, people fight for their space. Because I should imagine the ego of Ben Shepherd and the ego of Susanna Reid is going to be a clash. They're both going to be thinking they're the best. They're both. It's like Christine Bleakley tries to pretend that, you know, she's really working alongside somebody, but really thinking, you know, I am much better than you. Whereas Philip Schofield just breezes through everything. Just breezes through. Colleen Nolan obviously thinks she's hilarious on the Loose Women panel, but frankly, she comes up with the biggest part of drivel, only proving to me that she's so out of touch with everybody. So out of touch, you know, stripping yesterday empowers women. The heck it does. Don't be so ridiculous. It's just tacky. Just very, very tacky, which is what the rest of the panel seemed to agree. They didn't, um, they didn't sort of think that she was right at all. Why do people still keep pet monkeys? It started for me a long time ago. Uh, and then Justin Bieber, he had his pet confiscated and then he just sort of gave it up. Because there is a celebrity-fuelled trade in primates. Uh, there was one here. Marley, uh, the marmoset. There's a lots of there's lots of marmosets or squirrel monkeys which are kept by people, you know, in cages, and they turn quite vicious. Some of these chimpanzees are lethal. There was some couple on the television. Did they dress the poor thing up in little baby clothes and everything else? These are you know they're meant to swing in trees, or they take them to Monkey World. A squirrel monkey can fetch four and a half thousand pounds. A marmoset is around a thousand. You know they're just they it's just appalling. 497 calls concerning primates being kept or traded as pets to the RSPCA. A 73% increase in calls the other year and people keeping primates. It's absolutely disgusting. It really is disgusting. I mean, there are, you know, there's one here, a little marmoset that hadn't been fed. Pr- people have got no idea how to feed these things. They're little primates. The, the owner of this particular one here, because it's supposed to have a diet of nuts, seeds and protein. And uh, this man... Richard Walton, 32, from Basingstoke, I rest my case, took the monkey to the pub. He was banned from keeping animals for life when he pleaded guilty to animal welfare charges. And it's, I mean, it's just horrible that people stick him in cages. It's like budgies, I suppose, in a, in a way, isn't it, really? I mean, I, I quite like budgerigars, but don't ever get one. You have to have two budgerigars. One, one budgerigar is just, is just not enough. Coming up. I'll be revealing which political party has asked Jim Davidson, yes, that Jim Davidson, to stand as one of their election candidates. But now, LBC News Time, it's 5.30. 27 minutes to 6, Tuesday morning, Pancake Day, Shrove Tuesday, usually associated with the day preceding Lent. You know this because, and if, uh, for those, because I remember telling you last year, this is the way to use up rich food such as eggs, milk and Sugar. So if you're going to a food bank, this doesn't apply to you because they only give you stuff. You can mix with water. So you get pot noodle, powdered but, uh, potato, instant potato and a few other things like that. I mean, in Canada, Australia, Ireland and New Zealand, I think they do call it pancake day. In Newfoundland, small tokens are frequently cooked in the pancakes. Children take delight in discovering the object. I bet just as their teeth all fall out. Oh, we put an object in there. What is it? Oh, you're taking out my teeth. 
You imagine, can't you? In England, Shrove Tuesday, they have all sorts... They have pancake races. The most famous one is held at Olney in Buckinghamshire. Since 1445, traditionally women carry a frying pan and race over the course. You see, I would think just tripping people up would be fairly popular. But people will be eating it. And and they like it. Children love it. I think they, you'll probably find on Blue Peter they'll be doing something about Pancake Day, I should imagine. Uh, this fasting emphasised eating plainer food. So what they did, they used up the rich food, the rich food being eggs, milk and sugar, and then the plainer food, and then it meant you refrained from food that would give pleasure. In many cultures, no meat, dairy or eggs. Uh, it was always the tossing of the pancake that proved a little bit difficult for some people. Unless you've got a ceramic pan. These are the latest things they're advertising on the television. It's another fad. It's like buying a steamer. How many, hands up, how many people listening this morning have bought one of these steamers that they've seen advertised on the television? You've got it home and it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. They go, oh, look at it, steam, and you go oh, around the taps, you know, styled, oh, it's lovely. It's just a hassle. It's just an absolute hassle. So when it comes round to frying pans, ceramic pans, you don't need any oil, you wipe it clean afterwards. It looks great when you're in a studio. When you're in the kitchen, it's a bit difficult because you've now got a boiling hot pan that you've just wiped out. And it is absolutely boiling hot. And so people will be using that. Kids, they go, can I make a fry? Can I make it? Can I make it? We went to Selfridges the other day and I, I thought to myself, I'll buy, I quite like the idea of buying copper pans. And I thought that'd be a nice idea, a copper... Because they look quite nice hanging up as well in a, in a kitchen. I thought copper pans look quite good. Boy, oh boy, I didn't realise the price. I picked up one thing. It was a frying pan with a lid. The frying pan was £299 and the lid was £105. A total of th- about £400 for a frying pan. So the woman <laughs> said, to, said to me, uh, can I help you? I said, no, I said, I'm just getting over the shock of seeing how much a frying pan costs. I picked up a saucepan, a copper saucepan, £425. I felt a bit mean that I didn't buy it. Because I thought, if I'm going to do pancake... And then at the market, at Northfield Market on Saturday, they were selling ceramic pans. So I'm assuming somebody's banging them out in China as fast as possible. Because that's all they were selling. And they were selling them at £10. Because on the television, they're 20 I think. And, and people like to buy things like that. They just don't look very exciting, ceramic pans. They really don't, I'm afraid. Uh, bedroom television makes a child do what? Put on weight. Put on weight. Because kids sit there in their bedroom and they... And they watch television. And they don't, they don't move. They've got their computer in the room. They've got their television in the room. They've got their iPad in the room. They've got their mobile phone in the room. They've got their Blackberry in the room. Why would they need to come out? Once they've managed to sort of cram food into your iPhone, and I'm sure that Dynamo will be doing this shortly. In fact, actually, it's been done by a, an American magician called Cyril, who uh, is a very good magician. And he went to one of these burger places and they had on the window photographs of the burgers and he put his hand over it, covered it, and the picture became reality and it became the cheeseburger. So that was terribly clever. So expect to see Dynamo doing that very, very shortly. But if you're having pancakes today, you can, you can actually do the mix. You can go and buy it in all the shops. You don't even need to do the mix because I wouldn't know how to do it at all. But uh, they've got... I think they actually do it in, um, in Parliament too. Parliament, they actually do... The pancake race. And probably in Covent Garden, there will be pancake races and they'll raise money for charity, which I think is quite a good idea. And my mother used to make pancakes and she made them very well. I can't make pancakes for toffee. I've tried the mix and I, and I might even later on today have a go. I've decided, you remember I told you about the robot that I bought a while ago, the little robot. I was going to bring him in as a birthday present for the producer. And but then I thought, no, he'll only eBay it. He's that sort of person. Would you would you use it if I brought it in? Would you? 
You're just saying that now, aren't you? So you should re-, re I'll bring it in tomorrow, then. I'll bring it in tomorrow. Because it's it's got 19 motors in it and a remote control. You might understand, because my eyes are so bad. You can't, you know, I can just about read the instructions. But I was trying to find out the other day. I've got this other little gizmo, which is a little tiny bulb. I mean, a little tiny bulb, like the kind you screw into a child's toy. And when your phone rings, the bulb starts flashing. But the batteries have run down, so I open it up. The batteries are so tiny, I can't even read the number on the back. I mean, it's, it's really hopeless. Not very good at all, I'm afraid. I'm doing my best, though. Uh, 84850. Colin says, people who are getting food out of food banks, there's one problem they could have. How do they heat it up if they can't buy food? They might have problems. No, that's what they... All the things that they're getting in the food bank are things that um, that you can eat with a boiled-up kettle. That's that's why. So if you can boil a kettle, then you can make this food. I went to our one of our supermarkets last Christmas, and they were saying we're collecting money for elderly people to buy them things at Christmas because they're... And some people, you have to bear in mind, some people are quite proud. They don't want to accept what they see as charity. And so they said, if when you're going around doing your shopping, you could buy a couple of extra items, <coughs> then give them to us. And they gave you a list, and it was things like powdered milk and chocolate biscuits and tea bags and coffee. So I bought a big box. In fact, I bought two big boxes of tea bags, and I think I bought four four packets of chocolate biscuits. Because for an elderly person to have a hot drink at Christmas time, that's quite nice. And even Noreen has admitted this morning, it's pretty nippy out there. It's about three and four degrees, so the further up the country you get... You know, around about Glasgow, you must be you must be suffering quite badly at the moment because it's freezing cold and people stand at the bus. That's why you can spot all the East Europeans because they're actually prepared for this cold weather with the rest of us, you know, hot pants, Wellington boots, Ugg boots. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. This is from um, a postal worker. And uh, this is uh, Simon. He says, I can never believe the amount of people on benefits who use cabs to do their shopping every week while I have to get a bus. Something's gone very wrong. Well, probably, yes. I don't, perhaps they've got family and friends who help them out. That seems to be quite a, quite a, a good thing nowadays, doesn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, Mark, he says, uh, I have a, a very bad habit of listening to the radio all night. He said, sometimes... When listening to a, a play or something like that, you get to a good part, then you drop off to sleep. Uh, yes, I mean, I, this is, well, you see, the trouble is, as Ollie Mann was talking about people with insomnia, people who've got chronic insomnia, people who seriously do not sleep properly. And I, you, I bet you find that they sleep and they catnap throughout the daytime. And that is the problem. Uh, Howard says, with you sharing your home with two girls, was the TV series Man About the House based on you? Do you know, I thought about this the other day, not Man About the House, but I did think about how we used to go around London. We'd go to the Chelsea drugstore. We did have, we did take taxis, because taxis in those days appeared to be cheap. And I do not remember minicabs. I only remember black cabs in London. I do not remember minicabs going back into the 70s. I don't think we had them at all. Or if we did, we weren't aware of them. And we seemed to get around town with no money at all. I mean, seriously, no money. I don't, I've, I don't know what we were eating half the time. Perhaps we didn't eat. I, I really cannot tell you what we what we were eating. Although perhaps we survived on a, on a packet of chips. I don't know. We didn't have Kentucky Fried Chicken. We didn't have 
McDonald's. We didn't have anything like that. We didn't have, I mean, there were Chinese restaurants, but we didn't go and eat in them. We just seemed to survive quite cheap. I remember one we had, and that we got a packet of cheese sauce, which we mixed with water, and we poured it over spaghetti. And that was it. But uh, spaghetti just in the in the packet. So you'd buy a, a huge packet of spaghetti, which you'd put in hot water with a bit of salt, and then we'd mix up the... Ch- and that's all we'd eat. Perhaps that's the way forward. Perhaps that's the way forward to losing weight. I mean, I know that with this palm oil, which we talked about the other day, and how dangerous it is for dogs, and all this influx on the street, you go to some areas of London, and it's, it's all this fast, rubbish food. You know, not the, not the main ones who try, but to be honest with you, I don't know how you could ever sell Kentucky Fried Chicken as a healthy food, because of the skin is the worst thing. Any skin on chicken is bad. Anybody who's on a diet, they say, you can have chicken, take the skin off, and you go, but that's the best bit. And in Kentucky Fried Chicken, that's the tastiest bit. You know, McDonald's, it's, it's bad for you. They put a bit of salad in there to make you feel a bit better about life. To be brutally frank, though, you know, for the price you pay for so-called fast food nowadays, you could make something much healthier yourself at home. I'm trying to think what I had yesterday. And for the life of me, I cannot remember. It wasn't Berth Bourguignon, which sounds terribly flashed. I don't, I don't, it wasn't as flash as that. I think it was something quite... Oh, I know, it was a lasagna. It was a lasagna, which I quite like. And then I thought to myself afterwards, is that good for me or is, is lasagna bad for me? Because I'm sure if I, if I made a list of all the food, my diabetic doctor would go absolutely apoplectic. She'd be going, what are you eating that for? And I'd go, I don't know, I'm hungry. You know, because I try and cut down on bread. I try not to have too much bread. But if you worried about everything that you were putting in your mouth, you wouldn't move out of the house, would you, really? Uh, 84850. Andrew says, do you reckon I could tell my boss I'm giving up work for Lent? <laughs> He'd probably replied, I must have been under the impression Lent has lasted for the past eight years. Interesting. Uh, Steve, wonder if you'll be watching Gogglebox when it returns to Channel 4? Usually listen to you on podcasts. Don't remember you mentioning it. Um... I, this is the one which has got lots of different people watching television programmes and commenting, and few of them are going to be celebrities. You know, like White D from Benefit Street is apparently a celebrity. Not in my eyes. Not in my eyes. Uh, the state pension is far higher than sickness benefit or job seekers' allowance. Well, how are these people able to get away? We had the XGMTV report the other day. £76,000 in benefits. How on earth was she managing? Don't they check people? Do they not go out there and sort of, you know, I know that occasionally these people get caught out, but why do they not check them sooner? I mean, I could just tell by somebody's, you know, perhaps they need to bring in the Judy Jameses of this world and try and work out by their posture whether or not they're telling the truth. I mean, some people are actually, are actually fairly, fairly good at lying, aren't they? And they're generally the ones who come round and say, can we sort of do your drive or do a little bit of gardening for you? doesn't always work. The toilet etiquette that Lloyds have in that don't stand on toilet seats is because certain religions do that as part of toilet habits. Yes, I used to work for United Biscuits years and years ago, and the toilets there at Osterley were completely different to any other toilets I'd ever seen. It was just a footpad either side of a, of a toilet which was set into the ground. Completely different. Um, back in the 70s... Says Margaret, I got on a bus at Cubridge with a photographer who had two monkeys dressed in uh, satin fancy clothes. You could pose for a picture with them. One of them held my hand all the way to West Ken. They looked happy and well. Unbelievable but true. Yes, I've got a picture of me at Bertram Mill Circus at Olympia with a chimpanzee. And you could have your picture taken with a chimpanzee. And for a little boy like me, I I hadn't been that close to a chimpanzee. But I mean, little realising that some later years this thing could have taken your head off. Because they're quite violent, chimpanzees. They're, uh, they eat flesh. That's what they do. You've not seen that. You think they just eat bananas, don't you? Ha! Oh, chimpanzees. Watch the David Attenborough programme when they catch a monkey. 
in the trees. It's it's an organised, it's fantastic to watch, but a bit bit gruesome, I'm afraid. Coming up, I'll be revealing how many hours you motorists spend in traffic jams per year, plus the all-important gadget giveaway question. LBC News Time. It's 5.45. Still to come, all the uh, updates on uh, what Russia are now denying, which is on the front page of all the papers this morning, giving the Ukraine until dawn today to surrender will face all-out war. They've said this is not true at all. It is a crisis in Crimea. Uh, Putin taking the world to the brink with an ultimatum. They're saying it's not true. It's not true. We're doing, we're doing incorrect reporting. But, uh, we'll find out a little bit uh, later on. Plus, of course, Prunella Scales, who's battling Alzheimer's at the age of 81. Uh, don't buy pancake mix, says Mark. Full of additives. So easy to make. You see, anybody who cooks will tell you it's so easy, because for them it's easy. Although this one does sound quite good. Three eggs, equal weight, roughly, of plain flour. Mix together until smooth. Pinch of salt, add some milk, mix, keep mixing in the milk until the consistency of single cream, that's it, works for pancakes or Yorkshire puddings. How lovely. And linen bushy. Says it's a shame food banks exist. Our local shops are brilliant. You can buy single items, such as a potato, any veg, even one egg. For pennies. The butchers are wonderful. They make tiny little joints of meat, lamb, beef for under three pounds. There you go. That's the place to go. It's Bushy. Bushy is the place to go. And they will sort everything out for you. Because that's what you could do years ago. You could go into the grocers on the corner. I mean, many people over the age of uh, 60, perhaps 70. And you could go there and the grocer on the corner would turn the handle of that big machine to sort of cut bacon. You could have one slice of bacon and they'd put it on a piece of paper. It beautifully served. And that big red machine, you can see it now, can't you, at the back of the shop. You turn the handle and the blade whirled round and cut the bacon as thin as you wanted. The cheese, they put it on a board and they'd pull the cheese wire over the top of it. You remember those ones? Yes. Of course you do. Nowadays, of course, it's, it's like going out to buy screws. You can't just go and buy one screw, as in Arkwright shop. You know, nowadays you've got to buy a packet of ten of the blasted things, which is, uh, which is a bit of a pain. Anyway, the good news is, uh, this morning, as it's Tuesday morning, and we did it yesterday, and we had a winner, the LBC Gadget Giveaway is back, giving you the chance to win some must-have gadgets. Yesterday, Michelle Monday from Surbiton, correctly identified... Like a Prayer was a Madonna song and got a fabulous Chromebook laptop. Today, I've got a Google Nexus 7 tablet up for grabs. It's lovely. It's very nice. I was admiring pictures of it earlier on this morning. Uh, this is, has been described as the best Android tablet on the market. And it does everything you expect a top-class tablet to do. Ten-hour battery life, you can watch films. You can do just about everything on this. It sings, it dances, it'll probably do the washing up and make your pancakes too. So one lucky listener will win at 6.30 this morning a Google Nexus 7 tablet. If you don't know what it is, ask the kids. And the question is this. Which popular recording artist released Haven't Met You Yet? In 2009. Haven't met you yet. In 2009. Who was the popular recording artist who released that? To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. So once you've, you've got the name of the person, you text gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text will cost you pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions are online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. 
That's LBC's gadget competition for today, the Google Nexus 7 tablet. Do it before you leave for work. Uh, Daily Express this morning, talking about this fantastic selfie, which I have to be honest, you know, only in America do things go viral. I know we've had things going viral here. I was watching, what was I watching the other day? And I remember thinking, I must tell you all about it because it was so good. It was so good. I'm not sure if the crocodile... Being eaten by the snake is on YouTube, but I should imagine that one will pop up next. But anyway, this is uh, uh, Meryl Streep to Brad Pitt. I mean, it, it's it's almost like the looky-likes. You almost couldn't make it up, could you? Channing Tatum, Julia Roberts, Kevin Spacey, all in the same pictures. Uh, Lupita Nongo, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Ellen DeGeneres, Bradley Cooper, and Lupita's brother, Peter. Who isn't that famous? But anyway, so they were all in the same picture and they couldn't actually get Liza Minnelli and she wasn't big enough to be seen at the back. But this this was tweeted, retweeted at the beginning of the programme yesterday morning when they had a million retweets. By the end of the programme, I think we'd actually got down to uh, three and a half million retweets and and I forget where they've actually got to now. It's, I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, Twitter, I think, crashed at one point as people were trying to retweet it because it's such a great picture because you can't quite believe it. You can't quite believe that this, this picture is just so good. And so all of these A-listers, persuaded by Ellen DeGeneres, who ordered pizza for people as well, and the pizza was delivered and some people actually ate it. I mean, it's really good. I mean, she has 27 million followers. I'm a, I'm a rank amateur, I'm afraid, compared to anything that the Oscars are doing. Uh, on the subject of Putin joining his military leaders for a display of Russian armed strength, I mean, people have asked the question, why is Crimea at the centre? This is the place, I don't know if you're aware, it's got the, the biggest concentration of ethnic Russians in the Ukraine. 60% of the population outnumbering the ethnic Ukrainians by more than two to one. I mean, and what has caused this crisis in the first place? Why are we in this situation? It's the ousting of the pro-Moscow president, Viktor Yanukovych, by demonstrators who are backing closer ties with the EU. It's a challenge Vladimir Putin finds hard to ignore. The Russian president, as you know, is determined to prevent such a strategically important neighbour slipping into the arms of the West. I mean, what... I suppose you ask the question, don't you? What does he want to achieve? I mean, effectively, he's annexed Crimea with no shots being fired. I mean, the question now is whether he seeks to extend the incursion into eastern Ukraine. Is it another Cold War situation? Is there anything we can do in the West, or do we just back off and don't go anywhere there? I mean, the only real weapon in the West's arsenal is economic sanctions, although these would they would take time to actually bite. Nevertheless, sharp falls on the stock exchange overnight from, from Moscow highlight their economic vulnerability. But they've got the gas. It's the gas we want, isn't it? I think 20% of the, uh, of the gas comes from there. And uh, this, this threat to the economic state of the country, Putin cannot ignore entirely. So we'll wait and see. They've said, you know, we haven't said any of these things. We haven't said surrender or die. We haven't given them a deadline. We haven't said anything at all. They're waiting. It's the waiting game. It's interesting that the secret paper's just been revealed that show Britain has ruled out trade sanctions. Although I'm, I'm reliably informed that it might come in. But what will happen is that food and energy bills will soar. And that's bad news all round, as far as I'm concerned. We'll keep you up to date with, with the uh, ever-growing situation. There's lots of images on the television. But we're not sure exactly what's happening. 
whether or not uh, America are going to heed the advice. Most people in America, in a recent survey, don't want any intervention at all. They really don't want that. Um, First-time buyers to get stamp duty paid on houses. That's good. They will pay the 1% stamp duty due on homes bought by first-time buyers. It's announced yesterday. That's Britain's biggest mortgage lender, which is the Halifax... And they said the deal will save younger borrowers struggling to get on the housing ladder as much as £2,500. I don't know how people get on the housing market now. I really don't. I don't know how much money you've got to be earning to actually get yourself onto the housing market. But in London, it's a nigh-on impossibility. Even people I know within the business who work in London cannot afford to get themselves on the housing market. You know, they're still renting at the age of 30-plus. It's extremely difficult. Property prices are just... Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But it's uh, supply and demand, isn't it? They can't build enough houses at the moment. I constantly look and they say, we, we bandy around a million pounds now as if that's quite normal. A million pounds being quite normal for a, for a property. Um, Val says, as tomorrow is the start of Lent, it'll be the start of saying no to that last glass of wine and reading Alan Carr's Giving Up Smoking book. But you're actually my best inspiration. So I'll keep you posted. Please help me. I so want to give up. I know. It is so difficult. A friend of mine, John, he um, he gave up smoking for a while and he started again. And he said, I wish I hadn't. And I said, well, I'm quite glad that I don't. Just to add to all of my woes and complications with medical things, the last thing I actually want is to start smoking again. But there have been times where you think, that'd be quite nice. I quite fancy a cigarette. But no, no, no. So I know exactly what you're going through. I know how difficult it is. But what would it take to stop you smoking? Would it be your GP saying, if you don't stop smoking, you're going to be dead within a year? Would that make somebody stop smoking? Probably not, because it's so, so addictive. Maybe we'll come up with some solutions next. Just half an hour of your early morning breakfast show on LBC this morning with me, Steve Allen. That's before I hand over to the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I'll be looking through all the papers and bringing you the headlines too, telling you about a new rail card exclusively for couples. Oh, incidentally, thank you all for the information about the Boris Over 60 card, which has been very useful for my friend who turns 60 very shortly and is looking forward to getting that uh, that card. I, I've told him exactly how you go about it. You go to the TFL website and he uh, I pass on from him. Thank you very much indeed, he said. So, so that's good news, isn't it? Uh, also, the amount of time you spend in a traffic jam has been revealed. Plus, you have a go for our gadget giveaway. You've only got 30 minutes left from LBC. This is Steve Allen, and that's next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, five past six. Tuesday morning, it's chilly. In fact, you can. Fe- I went out this morning. Oh, my hands are frozen to death. Bad circulation, anyway. But it's a, it's a bit nippy out there, so I'd wrap up nice and warm. We'll uh, finish off the final twenty-five minutes of the program. I'll give you the gadget giveaway again. You need to get your hands on this one. It's the Google Nexus Seven tablet. I'll look through the front pages of the papers and uh, tell you about this new rail card exclusively for couples. It offers thirty percent discount for off-peak fares if you travel with a friend and. The amount of time you spend in a traffic jam has been revealed. Because we spend our... If you're driving in London, you know exactly what it's like. Probably around the country, it's the same. We'll find out this morning. From LBC, I'm Steve Allen. And that's all between now and 6.30. Plus, I told you the story the other week about uh, the granddaughter of Andrew Sachs 
this is Georgina, who has spoken of how the Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross scandal is still ripping the family apart. People are not speaking. I believe that Andrew Sachs is not speaking to Georgina. This was over something that Andrew Sachs says he will never forgive Jonathan Ross for doing and Russell Brand. Uh, it was just the lowest sort of thing that you could have done. Perhaps they thought it was funny. Perhaps that's funny in their world. I don't know. Either way, it's, it upset Andrew. And this is where uh, they left these answer phone messages in which Brand boasted of having had sex with Georgina Bailey. It was, it was just the lowest common denominator from a very stupid, pathetic person. And, uh, and that's both of them. And Andrew, I think, was on the television the other week talking about his autobiography, saying, I should never forgive them. You know, it really was the worst thing. But the family are now not speaking to each other. So Andrew Sachs, who is 83, said he still wanted no contact with her. Georgina has described the devastation to her family, saying she misses her grandfather and his wife, Melody. Anybody who ended up hurting like my grandparents, that's a big regret, she said, admitting she was a wild child. Well, I mean, it was just worse than a wild child. It was just awful, I'm afraid. And um, ask whether or not Brand had been in contact with her, she said, nothing at all. It's really weird, just some sort of kind of acknowledgement of what they did directly would have been nice. Well, they were very cruel. Russell Brand is a very cruel person. A very nasty piece of work, I'm afraid. And that's why it's torn this, this family apart. And Andrew writes about it in a book. It doesn't want anything to do with him or her or Jonathan Ross or anybody. They, apparently they sent a bunch of flowers, as if that kind of covered it, I'm afraid. Um, most Britons are lazy when it comes to pancake day. It's the ready-made batter mixes, which now I've given you the recipe, should be very easy for you, but you'll still go out. To, I will go out today and I will buy the batter mix. And unfortunately, because I'm only making pancakes for me, it's not going to make any difference. Um, because I'm only going to eat about two pancakes. Because I don't put sugar on them. I won't put honey on them. I'll just put a little bit of lemon juice on there. And I'll just fold them over. And I'll probably just enjoy two or three. So they don't seem to cater for me. But do you know what they do? Oh, sorry, they do cater for me. I've just realised. Because in a lot of these supermarkets now, they do ready-made pancakes. You don't even need to cook them. You just need to sort of heat them up. And I thought, I might try that. Professionally made pancakes. I might have to have a quick whiz around Marks and Spencer's. See if they've got any ready-made pancakes. If they haven't got them, then Waitrose will have them. They've probably all got these things now. There's nothing that the supermarkets don't sell. Uh, unfortunately, not everybody decides to put the traditional option of lemon juice on their pancakes. 23% go for maple syrup. I can't bear maples. Well, I wouldn't eat it anyway. They have that for breakfast in some countries. I think they have pancakes and stuff with maple syrup for breakfast. Very odd. 17% go for chocolate spread. And only 6% choose, wait for this one, a savoury option, ham and cheese. On a pancake, for pancake, that can't be right, can it? Can't be right. I mean, you know, they have to be, you know, traditional. And I thought traditional was just a little bit of sugar with some lemon juice sprinkled over the top of it. That's, that's the way that we always had them as children. Whether or not, you know, it actually goes any further. The idea of ham and cheese on there. There's one particular columnist in one of the papers today who seems to think that Nancy Delolio is a phenomenon. No, she's not. But there again, the person who wrote this is not a phenomenon either. Uh, they're both sad, pathetic people. Uh, encountering her on the big immigration row, I was floored, says this columnist, by her panache, self-deprecating sense of humour and irrepressible glamour. Oh, God. Nothing sadder is than somebody trying to expand their little black book. Very bad, I'm afraid. She may be billed as a lawyer. Nobody's ever seen her in court, of course. It's, uh, we're not sure if it's actually just in her mind. Uh, but she is slightly delusional, and that's what everybody says about her. Uh, everybody talking about Nigel Farage. 
can't wait for this debate uh, debate to happen. And uh, and then what did they turn on the other day? Because we've got another charitable event coming up on the television. It was it was dogs and how the Brits treat their dogs. And it had jewels, who I think might do something on the television with telling people how to buy houses. And strange enough, Ainsley Harriet. I didn't even know he was still around. I thought after they axed Ready Steady Cook, you know, which which I thought was actually quite a good programme, not particularly brilliant with him on there. There there he was with his dog being, you know, as irritating as he ever was before, I'm afraid. <laughs> so not so good, not so good. Why did I save this one here? I always um saved oh that's right, Morrissey. Miserable old Morrissey, a man so deluded it's almost embarrassing. This is the man who claims the Beatles only wrote four good songs. At least we remember them, Morrissey. As though I've never met anybody who knows any of your songs at all. But uh, it's, he says, uh, was I ever influenced by the Beatles? No. He was more into Sir Cliff Richard and Sir Tom Jones, who will be supporting him at the US shows. You know Cliff Richard said a while ago? He got a call saying, would you like to support Morrissey? He had to go and check who he was and what, what his songs were. Whereas Cliff's audience, I should imagine, you could sell ten times over for a Morrissey audience. The Cliff audience are very loyal. You know, they buy into the Miss Unite's perfume, they buy into the wine, they buy into the books, the, the albums, they buy everything. The DVDs. I, was, I must check, actually, whether or not all of Cliff Richard's films are available on DVD. I suspect they might be. Perhaps as a box set. You think that makes me sound very sad, but I like collecting British movies. I like collecting classic British movies. And all the sitcoms that we had on the television were all turned into movies. They made the screen version. So you've got Man About the House. You've got Bless This House. You've got just about everything. Morecambe and Wise, they had a... Everybody, all these comedy duos had films out. I see Mr Burko. That's not Sally the Burke. This is uh, John Burko. Coming under fire for racking up a taxpayer-funded bill on travel of £48,000 in six months. He flew business class to Burma and New Zealand before jetting off to Turkey. This takes his total travel bill since the general election to almost £150,000. The massive spending was revealed in his parliamentary declaration of expenses. The Taxpayers' Alliance said if trips abroad are necessary, costs must be kept down. Apparently, a spokesman for Mr Burko, who earns 142000 a year, said one of the Speaker's duties is to represent Parliament at home and abroad. The majority of travel is economy class. Why does he need to represent people? He's the Speaker of the House of Commons. Do they all do it? Do they all do that? I mean, what, what is the necessary reason for him to go to New Zealand, Burma and Turkey? I really can't understand that. I mean, perhaps you should stay at home. Mind you, at least it's him and not dragging the dreadful Sally out there. Uh, They're still doing the dresses from the Oscars. They're still getting very excited about what people wore because you know that all the dresses are free. They're given free because they're going to be worn. And that's why... And I I mentioned to a friend of mine yesterday, I said to her, guess how much the goodie bag was at the Oscars, which Charlie Gerling told us about yesterday. And she said, wait a minute, I remember this. She said, is it about 80,000? I said, yeah, 88,000. I can't work out if it was dollars or pounds. And this is the goodie bag for those people nominated for Oscar. And she said, but isn't that obscene? I said, well, I hadn't quite thought about it like that. She said, these people earn a fortune. Sandra Bullock from Gravity, because she's on a percentage of the profits, will earn $50 million this year. What's the point of giving her a goodie bag worth $88,000? Can't she afford to buy it? Could they not... Could they not, at the Oscars, actually say, listen, we're not giving goodie bags this year, but instead they would have been £100,000. And and I don't know how many they actually give away there, whether it's 200, 300, I've got no idea. But could they not give all that money to charity? 
Could they not, you know, make a generous donation? These people don't need a goodie bag. They're not interested in a in a goodie bag. Doesn't make one. I think one of the prizes in there. One of them I can't mention because it's for ladies, and it's a bit too rude for this program at this time of the morning or even later. And it's probably the kind of thing you haven't heard of anyway. But one of them is a walking holiday in Japan. Uh, normally, it's jewellery, uh, luggage, a car, or there's all sorts of strange things in there. And the reason is that the manufacturers of these items are hoping to get publicity from the celebrity with whom it has been given. And she said, this friend of mine, she's in banking, she said, but if they, if they took away that, they, these people don't need that. They've got loads of money. They've got millions, millions and millions and millions. You could give it to charity. Charity could benefit. That one night at the Oscars could generate, you know, a few million pounds for charity. And I think that the winning film, you know, best film, can nominate the charity that the money goes to. Here it is that, you know, in, in the prize package tonight, you know, Ellen DeGeneres could have said there is four and a half million dollars and best film went to, you know, 12 Years a Slave, and they've decided they want to give it to research into AIDS or cancer research. And we go, that's brilliant. What a fantastic idea. That would be the thing. But uh, no, they give it to celebrities who probably won't take up half of these offers in there. In which case, it's a terrible waste of $88,000. Quarter past six. Morning, everybody. 6.20, Nick Ferrari and the team with you just after the news at seven this morning. It could be asking, uh, why is London the worst for breast cancer screening? And the day after, thousands of 10 and 11-year-olds across the country face discovering they failed to get into the secondary school of their choice. It could be asking, why can't our school system cope? And should pupils be made to play act scenes, play act scenes with gay characters at school? George Pascoe Watson, former political editor at The Sun, is going to be looking through the papers for this morning. You've got about uh, eight minutes left. Have a go for the gadget competition for this morning. After Michelle Monday from Surbiton got herself the Chromebook laptop the other day, and is probably very happy, I should imagine. Today, the Google Nexus 7 tablet, up for grabs. Frequently referred to as the best Android tablet on the market. Could be yours at 6.30 this morning when the competition closes. So one lucky listener will win. It could be you. Could be you. You could be the one who tomorrow I read your name out, or not, if you request anonymity. The Google Nexus tablet could be yours. Which popular recording artist released Haven't Met You Yet in 2009? Which popular recording artist released Haven't Met You Yet in 2009? To enter, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. So once you've worked out the... Answer, haven't met you yet in 2009. Who was the recording artist of that? You text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, then the answer, and send that to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text will cost £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. Uh, David says, I hope your over-60 friend lives in a London borough, as the 60-plus card is for London borough residents only. Yes, well, he's, he's sort of Richmond way. And so that's, uh, yes. Uh, in Orpington, we are blessed, says Trevor, using the wife's mobile. She'll be thrilled. Uh, the ironmonger in the Crescent sells single screws. The butcher in Locks Bottom do small items, as does Pole Hill. Have I heard of Pole Hill? I can't remember, actually, now. Even our local Tesco deli and meat counters do single slices, as do Morrison's in Pets Wood. Fantastic. Uh, 84850. Jill says, on our local TV, they featured a guy from Kent who won an Oscar for a short film. We don't, we don't mention short films because there's so many other 
little film categories. It's like, you know, best dolly grip and best this and best that. And so that's why they, they tend not to. And that would be a, sort of, you know, the little ones. Oh, yes, I, I did say I would tell you which political party wants Jim Davidson as an MP. UKIP. Nigel Farage has approached Jim Davidson and said, uh, would you like to be an MP? I'm hoping not, but there you go. That's just my opinion. Uh, Michelle says, uh, M&S have ready-made pancakes <coughs> with a sachet of lemon cream. Well, that sounds delicious. <laughs> that sounds absolutely ideal. And Michelle says they are delicious, believe you me. Uh, pancake filling, Steve. Butter, golden syrup, cinnamon and sugar mixed, sprinkled on the top. Lovely. Julie. I'm duly impressed. Says M&S have a really nice range of pancakes you must try. Uh, Steve, McDonald's here do pancakes with maple syrup for breakfast. Have done so for years. Yes, you're probably right. It's just I don't, I don't eat things like that. And somebody says, why would you want to spend, you know, a, a million pounds on a flat where in Dagenham you can get something for under £200,000? Yeah, but it's living in Dagenham, isn't it? That's the problem, I'm afraid. Dagenham is a, is a part of London, ladies and gentlemen, listening in the rest of the country, that uh, might be seen as some to be slightly run down. Maple syrup and bacon... Canadian style. I'm not sure about that. You see, I've, I, know, I know of that one as well. And Chris says, are Donna Stella and Windsor Davis still around? Windsor Davis lives in France. Lovely boy. And Donna Stella died a short while ago. A short while ago. Uh, one here from Bev who says, my kids will be having strawberries, raspberries, banana and condensed milk in their pancakes. Yum, yum, yum. Yes, that's quite nice. And Kevin, the Warburton's driver, says, on the subject of pancakes, we do a six-pack of them and they're delicious. Don't tell me you've eaten a six-pack of um, of pancakes. I suppose it would be quite easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Brian says, if I change my name to charity, would the Oscar people send me some money? <laughs> Probably not, Brian. Probably not. We live in hope, though, don't we, of things like that. <laughs> Could you send me some money, please? But I think they should. As opposed to giving... A, I mean, I th- the more I think about it, the more reasonable it seems. Why, why give a goodie bag worth $88,000 or pounds to a, an overpaid celebrity? And they seriously are. They've got a lot of money. When, when you could give that money to charity and it could be far more useful. You know, I, I would rather it, it, was, it was more useful. I would rather they actually did that and, they, uh, and then they could do something good at the end of the day. Perhaps they give to charity already. I'm not too sure how the Oscars work, but I, I think it would be good. Uh, thank you to Neil, who says, uh, no good for the waistline, all these pancakes, uh, all the diabetes. And he's got a picture of them. He says, I like Nutella and cream. <laughs> It's like an accident waiting to happen, isn't it? <clears throat> I just think the uh, the sugar sprinkled... I don't know, as kids we used to eat packets of sugar, didn't we? That's just why we lost our teeth and had fillings at an early age. You'd pull into a motorway service station and you'd either pour a packet of sugar into your mouth. I can't believe we used to do that. <laughs> it seemed to, but mind you, we did strange things when we were younger, didn't we? I used to drink water from the garden hose. So whether or not that's a good idea, I do not know. Apparently, Richard says, in some countries they have Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday carnivals. I like a good carnival. I like a good carnivals. Uh, 84850. BB says, I've met Andrew Sachs's wife at the British Musical Society annual dinner. My friends and I used to go every year. Fabulous time. I know that episode hurt them badly. He said so in his book. He's, he, he will never forgive them. They, uh, they did something that went, went over the line. They crossed the line. Lemon and sugar for me, and if I'm feeling really naughty, says little Julie. Syrup, but not maple. Proper syrup, so I can curl it around the spoon. <laughs> Dear. 
My mother used to have a jar of treacle in the cupboard. That wasn't wasn't much fun either, I'm afraid. I didn't like that either. Treacle. Uh, I didn't see the uh, the Channel 5 programme last night. I saw the trailer for it. I wish I'd seen it. Can't pay, we'll take it away. The two sheriffs who did the evicting were elderly gentlemen. You'd have thought that a couple of young heavies would be more appropriate. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that um, Mark, who's one of our bailiffs who listens to the programme, I'm assuming he could be classed as a heavy. I don't like to say too much, actually. Uh, I don't suppose the technical boffins, the sound cinematographer, earn millions, but they don't qualify, William, for the thing. Do you understand how it works, that it's only for people who are nominated? They, they don't get them. It's for the celebrities. It's, it's not, you know, not, not, not the Backstreet Boys, I'm afraid. The Backstreet Boys. Uh, somebody says, Sia, does your friend live in Twickenham, says Sue? Do you know, strange enough, they do, this person who's going to be over six. It's funny that, isn't it? Funny that. But uh, I sense a little bit of cynicism. Oh, we've got to go. I just realised. Run out of time. Don't like it when we run out of time on the end of the programme. So I'll be back again tomorrow morning from four. If you missed any of today's programme, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like through the new podcast service. Download the app now. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here from seven. You've got literally about a minute and a half to get your entry in for the gadget giveaway. Could be your name we read on tomorrow's programme. You could be the proud recipient of the Google Nexus 7 tablet. So uh, go for that one. Get those entries in because the lines close at 6.30. Have a lovely day. Wrap up warm. Lisa Aziz is next with the morning news.